And welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, a little couple minutes late here. We apologize for the late start, but we are on the air a little earlier than we normally are because, well, it is Super Sunday. Uh, it is Super Bowl, and we're not going to try and go on the air at 7 o'clock after the game has started. We're not crazy. Even, okay, so we're going to watch a little bit of it, too. But I uh, hope you uh, are going to enjoy the show with us here today. Still recovering from our 12-hour marathon uh, which was uh, crazy as always, but we certainly appreciate everybody joining us uh, to do that. Um, countless guests, 13 hours and eight minutes of coverage. Um, only about 12 hours of it made it onto YouTube in its entirety. We're not sure why the entire uh, show didn't make it there. Last hour is more of a free-for-all. There was an interesting interview with Rich uh, Reed from Laverne. Rich called into the show when we opened up the phone line. We'll get that interview uh, turned around for a later date. Those of you interested in see hearing that entire show on the podcast, we apologize that we weren't unable to uh, turn that around as of yet. We're going to continue to work on that, certainly. Um, don't want to take anything away from the opportunity, and we certainly know that many of you would like to see it. So we will work on that uh, and have that uh, available for you uh, down the road uh, here shortly. So um, lots to talk about in Division Three, of course. Augustana has now lost two in a row, but more importantly, North Park has now knocked off um, a, a yet another uh, big team in the CCIW. The bottom-placed CCIW team has now beaten North Central and Augustana in the last week. Um, and so maybe we should just put North Park number one in the country. <laughs> uh, though, to be honest with you, to quote... Um, to, to quote... Um, uh, Rusty Egan from the end of the Hoopsville show, he had a fair point. Um, it, it, this is fun, um, and not to take anything away from that. Um, and so we want to congratulate them, to say the least, on that big win. Augustana, we'll see what happens here. Um, what happens with the with the uh, rest of the of the top twenty five with Augustana, uh, etc. Um, NYU lost on Friday night. Um, at this point, why not? Uh, we'll follow what they're doing um, momentarily. I I've been meaning to call up the scores. haven't done it yet. Um, we'll keep an eye on what they're doing um, against, um, uh, let's see, NYU's playing Emory. I think Gordon Mann went to that. We'll keep an eye on what's going on with that game so you have an idea. We're also watching Case Western Reserve versus WashU. Right now, Case Western Reserve with the lead in that one. Um, and Carnegie Mellon Chicago underway. Some of the games, certainly, that we're keeping an eye on today um, because, well, they interest us, certainly, um, and we want to know what's going on. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, as it were, uh, here on the show. Um, guests that we have coming up today, a little bit smaller list than we had for Thursday's marathon show. We'll talk to Baruch men's basketball, uh, about their season and how they are doing. Certainly right back in the equation, though, their SID pointed out an interesting fact. We have now had Baruch on a couple of times when we've had super Sunday shows, honestly, no memory of that. It just happens to work out that way. So, uh, Baruch on the show, we'll jump out to the central region, talk to Monmouth. 
Talk about a great season and a good turnaround. We'll talk to their head coach about that. Jump into some women's basketball with Castleton State. Uh, another team doing well, but remember, a team that was 27-2, and 26-2 or something like that, and missed out on the NCAA tournament a couple years ago. They haven't forgotten about that. We'll talk to them about the significance of this season and why they realize they have to win the AQ. Uh, and then we'll go south to Louisiana College, their men's basketball team playing certainly very good basketball. And in the conversation, we'll talk to them about and Gene Rushing there about his team. And then we'll jump back into the Northeast and talk to a, rep a reporter that certainly knows the Northeast well, especially the NESCAC, Howard Herman, will join us to talk about what exactly is going on in the Northeast, in particular, what exactly is going on in the NESCAC. That's all coming up here on the show. Um, lots of excitement, certainly, this season. Um, and so we're keeping track of that. Um, and interesting enough, I don't see our... Sh <laughs> we're going to have to double-check something here and figure out why we're not popping up on the front page. Uh, we'll double-check that in just a minute. Um... If you have questions for us, again, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville, email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Hey, uh, we always love buzzer beaters, and there's been their fair share, and I haven't been able to call them all up, but another great one just the other night by Piedmont. And, of course, our friend John Zeke was on the call, so we bring you that here uh, on the show. We hope you'll, uh, you'll enjoy it right here. Free safety. They get it to Gaines in half court. One dribble. He pulls up. He lets it fly. Yeah, he makes it in. He makes it in. Trey Gaines. He knocks it down from about 40 feet on a bank shot. It goes in. And he knocks it in for the winner. That's his play. Pretty cool. John Zeke on the call of that one. He called it 40 feet. I'm going to call it short of that, maybe 30, 35. Um, but that's just me. Uh, John Zeke, of course, the athletics director at Piedmont College. Terrific effort there, to say the least. And congratulations to them on the big win. Uh, fun to see those kinds of things. Or Also, you may have heard the audio sneak in there. That was accidental. We're paying attention to uh, the New York game uh, against... Um, uh, who is New York playing again? Uh, all I know is New York's leading by nine with ten and a half left to go in the second half. Keeping an eye on that game. Not sure if Gordon Mann made it into attendance or not. We'll have to find out at a later date, as it were. Um, but remember, Cole Center also closing down. So keeping an eye on that. Um, anyway, um, NYU is playing Emory. That's why we're paying attention to that one. And then WashU playing Case Western Reserve. We're keeping an eye on that game as well. This is on the men's side. Certainly the women have not started um so we'll keep an eye on those and it's, listen chicago or i mean nyu lost by the way case leads by 10 in the first half on washu nyu lost just friday night um to carnegie mellon who's at the bottom of the uaa proving that the bottom of any conference can beat the top of any conference creating i think a three-way tie for first place in the uh uaa now nyu's on the rebound could beat emory that's how crazy the UAA is. And honestly, that's how much the UAA could hurt themselves at extra bids. UAA on the men's side might only get one extra team in if they keep kind of beating each other up. It's a good conference, but they're taking too many losses. You want one or two teams that kind of stand out and, and move ahead, and that's just not happening. So we'll keep an eye on those games. There's certainly some other games going on as well. Uh, by the way, Williams just dismantled Middlebury the other night. We'll talk to Howard Herman about that. He was in attendance for that one, I believe. Um, just absolute destruction 
uh, kind of surprisingly. I, I, I'm not that Williams isn't a good team, but for all the talk out of the Northeast about how good Middlebury was and how much they were being ignored and not being considered by top 25 voters, that's not the kind of result you put up. You don't get spanked um, by by Williams, and so we'll keep an eye on that one. Not that again, not that Williams isn't good. Um, it's just I thought Middlebury is better, long and short of it. Um, again, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or Facebook us at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We'll try and get those words out. Um, from now on, after this show, we'll be on the air 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time uh, every week, every Thursday and Sunday, the rest of the season. Uh, up until the end of the season, we'll have some specialty shows, uh, obviously with Selection Sundays and Matchup Mondays and, and all that jazz, but between now and then. Uh, that's what we'll do. By the way, uh, shout out to our good friend, uh, Ramapo head coach Chuck McBreen, won his 300th colli- uh, collegiate game. Congratulations to him. By the way, if you're the Muhlenberg Mules, you're both happy and, and frustrated. They defeated McDaniel in men's basketball action. Um, and then and then the women, by the way, got trounced by McDaniel, which was a battle for first place. McDaniel women proving maybe they're better than their preseason or their, or I should say, out-of-conference schedule alluded to. Uh, McDaniel went undefeated in the, or I think went undefeated. It may have taken one loss in the out-of-conference, but they didn't play exactly anybody. They are steamrolling their way through the Centennial right now. I uh, thought that would be a good game, and, and they rolled over Muhlenberg. Uh, but the Muhlenberg men um, handed McDaniel another loss. McDaniel's now blown three straight uh, halftime leads. Point of the story is they were literally about a half a mile out of town, and the bus broke down. Listen, this happens to everybody, but it's the worst thing. I remember way back when I was in college, Goucher was returning from Salisbury after a tough loss. I think it went to overtime. It was one of those nights where it was it was already late to begin with, and the bus broke down about a half hour out of, hour out of Salisbury. I want to say closer to an hour out of Salisbury. Can't remember the details of what happened after that. I just know they got home really late that night. Um, well, anyway, Muhlenberg got taken back to McDaniel by the McDaniel athletic staff um in carpools from what i heard um got back to where they needed to be uh, and waited for another bus to arrive luckily the local bus company was able to help them out so they didn't have to wait for hours they only had to wait a short period of time but it's just you can't win sometimes and then of course you go to new england they got hammered by two storms you know uh, my parents in down east maine not that there's a school near them got an hour or a foot of snow last weekend Followed by the blizzard, which dumped a foot or two of snow. This storm coming in, or of course, then we just had a, a brief storm. Now they're getting another storm that could dump a foot. And I'm talking New, rest of New England, too. And it's amazing more games haven't been canceled or postponed. Um, it's just perfect timing, to be honest with you. So uh, it's craziness. Uh, and I think the weather's in the Midwest right now, but luckily no games being affected uh, by that. Anyway, we're on the air uh, until 3 o'clock Eastern time. We'll have plenty of guests. If you have questions for us, you know how to get a hold of us. We've told you that already. Please feel free to do so. It's on the bottom of your screen as well. Uh, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Email us uh, there. Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Twitter at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. Uh, you can also join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash hoopsville. Um, and, and there's certainly more to talk about around Division Three. That it, That's not the only thing. Certainly grabbing everybody's attention uh, as I'm patiently waiting for my website to upload. Um, by the way, Buena Vista on top of the IAC right now, that's worth chatting about. By the way, 
Uh, Worcester uh, lost yet again. Wabash beat Worcester. There's that other team I was talking about in the top 25 that lost. Um, Interestingly enough, Richard Stockton beat William Patterson. I think maybe uh, me putting William Patterson in the top 25 was a little premature, and I had a feeling it was when I did it. Um, I think, listen, I don't know what to make of the NJAC. Uh, This is the Atlantic region this week, so we'll talk about that briefly. Um, Listen, if you listen to NJAC coaches, it's a really good conference that deserves more attention, that anybody can beat anybody on any given night, and the top of the conference is pretty good. I will agree on on some points. Anybody can beat anybody in the conference, and that is clearly the case. Um, and it certainly makes for a good conference because you have a battle every single night. The problem is I don't think the top of the conference is as good as everybody thinks, and thus the bottom of the conference isn't as good as the rest of that conference thinks. If anybody can beat anybody and the top of the conference is great, then the entire conference is great. The NJAC top of the conference I think is good, and the rest of the conference is good. It doesn't mean that multiple bids should get into the NCAA tournament from this conference, and this conference hasn't shown, except for Richard Stockton twice in the last decade, that it can win in the NCAA tournament. Um, Richard Stockton struggling just a little bit recently. They've been playing uh, on what I've been calling the high wire, uh, lost their point guard, been searching for a new one, took some losses. I don't think they should be taking if they're that good a team. Um, William Patterson looked pretty darn good, and now they have lost to Richard Stockton. So, you know, what does that make of the end, Jack? I think the jury's out. I want to see the NCAA tournament again. I want to see just how good this team really is in the NCAA tournament or, or any of the teams there in the end, Jack, I should say, in the NCAA tournament because I'm just not convinced right now that the end, Jack, is as good as they think they are. And I think that's the key here. We had Jerry Matthews on the show. We tried to get um, Jerry Matthews from Richard Stockton. We tried to get um, William Patterson's uh, coach for Bimbas on the show. Um, and unable to get Coach Rubin Boss, probably won't hear from him the rest of the season as a result. Um, and, and you hear from them, they're like, oh, it's, you know, Chuck McBreen will say it too. It's a great conference, the top of it, it's not respected as well. They'll also tell you why the talent is down. They say the D2s are, are kind of taking more teams from them or players from them than, they're, than they have in the past, and I can understand that. I think that is the case. But I think as a result of that, the NJAC is not as good as it has been. So how do you read into Richard Stockton beating William Patterson? Well, you you got two good teams at the top of this conference. Richard Stockton has now swept um, William Patterson this season, and it certainly puts them in the driver's seat. So I think William Patterson now is in a boat that they're going to have to do some work here. But as, as last year showed, and clearly um, William Patterson not happy that they didn't make the NCAA tournament last year as an at-large bid. But as his conference has shown, you got to win the AQ. Um, and William Patterson had a couple things go against him last year. One, their out-of-conference was not that great in scheduling. And second of all, they got stuck behind Staten Island. We don't know that for officially, but that's what we've, we've been, what, what the information we've been based or, or uh, believe in. And Staten Island wasn't getting in the NCAA tournament. And so William Patterson got stuck behind a team that wasn't getting in the tournament, then William Patterson wasn't getting in the tournament. If William Patterson is at the table instead of Staten Island, do they get in? Maybe. I think they've got a better chance at it for sure. Um, And so if you're angry, William Patterson, with that result, you need to talk to your committee chair in the Atlantic uh, Division, Linda Bruno, um, because ultimately it's her and the rest of that rack, because I don't believe the National Committee made a change to that. Um, I don't remember who the NJEC representative is on the committee or was last year off the top of my head. So, listen, if you're that good, and listen, Richard Stockton beat Cabrini last year. and that, At Cabrini, that was a significant win. They just didn't do anything after that. Um, 
I think if if you're as good as the NJAC wants to pretend they are, um, or believe that they are, and in my opinion, that's pretending, then they got to go out and take care of some business. And right now, uh, Richard Stockton's playing inconsistently and beating William Patterson. So what does that tell me about William Patterson? Then maybe William Patterson isn't as good as everybody thinks they are. So that's how I read into that. Um, again, Worcester got beat by Wabash. I mean, maybe Worcester isn't as good as we thought. That's two straight losses now, Ohio Wesleyan and Wabash. That is two teams in the top ten who have lost two straight this week, uh, the other being Augustana. Uh, maybe Augustana didn't lose two straight. I apologize. What happened on Wednesday for August? No, August, Wednesday Augustana won. I apologize. So miscon- miscommunication there. Uh, Lynchburg gave Randolph make it a game, yet not that surprised. Uh, of course they did, <laughs> to be honest. By the way, Alma beat Calvin. Say what? First time in 34 games, Alma beat Calvin. Pat Coleman put the great tweet out last night. The last time Alma beat Calvin was 1999 and what our website, d3hoops.com, looked like at the time. Let's just say parquet. Okay, everybody? Parquet. Um, certainly impressive. Hey, we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk Baruch men's basketball in the Atlantic region with Coach. Um, um, we could talk to their head coach, is what I'm trying to say, Coach Aleshi, here on the show. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Baruch basketball, when we return to the show here on Hoopsville. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result in my mind is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it.
We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. And welcome to Hoopsville. Keep forgetting that audio. I uh, hope you're enjoying the show. Yeah, um, plenty to talk about here. Um, if you got any questions for us, tweet us at T3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Just talking about the Atlantic region uh, quickly. East region related, though, um, in men's basketball action, NYU continues to lead Emory. Last check, 75-64, um, according to a tweet. Let's check the video. Um, see if we can tell 62, 76, 62 with less than five minutes left to go. Um, according to that, I've had the wrong, no, 82, 70, that makes more sense. Uh, Emory's coming back on NYU. It's 82, 76 with less than five, 84, 76 with less than five minutes to play, uh, in that one. We'll keep an eye on that. We're also keeping an eye on the Wash U game against Case Western Reserve, Case Western leading 38, 26 last we checked in that one. Let's talk Atlantic region where we were just talking about the NJAC and apparently tuning in and enjoying the conversation. And I use that somewhat tongue in cheek was the head coach for Baruch as coach John Alessi joins us. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. Pleasure a to be on. Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, we apparently have had had a habit of having you on the show uh, or at least somebody from your school um, whenever Super Bowl Sunday uh, is in is being played, so I guess we'll just stick with the uh, with the uh, the habit, as it were. Um, I hope you're okay with that. Yeah, I'm uh, happy happy to be here and uh, uh, looking forward to chatting with you a little bit. Let's talk about this team who's leading the CUNYAC right now. I mean, this is 
um, a, a group for you guys who is 14 and four overall. You're 10 and 0 in the conference, which equals the amount of games you won in conference last year. Actually, also meets the amount of games you won last year. So at this point in time, they would say you're playing with house money. Um, it's been a while since you won 20 games back in 2010. What's it like to feel like you guys are back on top a little bit right now? Yeah, you know, it's it's been a long process, um, and we're happy with where we're at. We still have a long way to go. Um, you know, we we you know you talked about last year's team. Um, uh, we, we thought we were going to be pretty good last year as well, and uh, you know we scheduled accordingly, and you know we uh, we got our heads uh, handed to us a little bit uh, out of conference, but we we just. Uh, Last year had so many injuries to key guys that we, you know, we we may have played. I don't think we played one game all season with, with our expected uh, lineup. So, uh, you know, you take that as well as the, the out of conference schedule, and uh, you know that was the reasoning for the 14 and 12 record last year. But uh, this is more what we expected. You know, we 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 have a group of guys that have been together for about three or four years, and um, you know this is really the. Uh, the result of, of a long process and uh, you know we're happy where we are but uh, we know that there's still a long road ahead of us it certainly um, it's not easy uh, in some senses sometimes of, of, of playing in your position you're playing in a conference that you know sometimes well really doesn't tend to get a lot of respect just because the bottom of the conference struggles certainly Staten Island had a good team last year but in New York New York uh, or York and New York beat them in the, in, and then made it to the NCAA tournament. And it had a good good you know tournament run. And a lot of expectations out of York New York to have a good season this year. They're 11 and eight, six and four in the conference. Staten Island's 14 and six, eight and three. It's Brooklyn certainly having a good year at 17 and four, nine and mm-hmm. three. and Layman's having a good decent year at 14 and seven, nine and three. So it seems like the top has maybe come together a little bit more though Staten Island and York being down, maybe raises questions as to, okay, what do we make of the CUNYAC? What do we make of the CUNYAC from your point of view? I think we have five very good teams. And uh, I think, we, you know, you look at at us and, and Brooklyn obviously have, have been leading from the, from the front uh, right from the beginning of the season. But, you, you know, Staten Island's been consistently good the last few years. And uh, York, we talked about last year uh, and the run they made in the NCAA tournament. And uh, Lehman is a very good team, uh, you know, who doesn't get a lot of recognition. So I, I think there are five very, very good teams at the top of our conference. And um, you know, right now we're at the at the top, but we could be the fifth of the five. You know, I, and I truly believe that. That's not just coach speak. Is we have five very good teams, and uh, any given night, any one of those teams can can knock off uh, the other. Um, apparently you guys are 45 and four, according to my graphic, you guys are having a terrific season. Um, uh, you, you'd pay for 45 and four. I'm quite sure. Um, I'd pay a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit earlier in the season, a loss to Centenary, a loss to Salisbury and a loss to Randolph Macon. Granted Randolph mm-hmm. Macon, a dominating team. Salisbury certainly coming along a little bit here. Um, what, what, and then you lose just a few games ago to, to a Wesleyan squad out of the NESCAC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the question's back to that, how do you call into it type, or how do you read into it type thing? Centenary, obviously, early in the season, um, and, and I'm, I'm sure you probably would love to have that one back. Randolph-Macon is Randolph-Macon, and then Wesleyan, it's a battle, and certainly Wesleyan's a better team than I think people realize. Um, what have you guys learned from those games, maybe, as you've been moving forward? 
Well, you know, like you said, you know, the most recent one and the one that's most fresh is, is certainly the Wesleyan game, and we played that game without our starting shooting guard. Um, wow. You know who who, uh, who who you know fell ill just before the game, so uh, we were a little shorthanded. Uh, you know, I thought we we opened up. We, we had a nine point lead with ten minutes to go. Um, yeah, you know, I just thought we fell to fatigue a little bit in that game. And uh, uh, Wesley and I agree with you. Wesley is very good, and and they're they're a good team from a very good conference. Um, you know, and, and that's the way we, we we try to schedule is we want to play good teams from good conference uh, conferences. And if we sure. happen to take a few losses along the way, um, you know, then so be it. But um, you know, you were alluding to it earlier. You know, Cuniac and most team most uh, of the leagues in our region seem to be looked at as one bid leagues. So mm-hmm. we understand that we have to prepare ourselves for um, a, a conference tournament in February, and and we feel the best way to prepare ourselves for that is to go outside of our uh, outside of our region or outside of our conference and play the best teams that we can play. Um, we'll talk about the region in just a minute. I don't want to lose track of your team just quite yet. Um, you know, this is a squad that um, has certainly been, uh, as you say, kind of growing into themselves uh, just a, a little bit. Um, you certainly have experience on this team, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you, but you're certainly under, you've got a lot of, you've got a number of seniors, but you've got a lot of underclassmen. Um, you've got what four seniors on this squad, and a whole host of of juniors, and a whole mess of freshmen. Um, yep. So that makes for an inter- interesting dynamic. You've got the experience of the seniors, um, and certainly some junior leadership there that can drive the ship, while building towards the future with the freshmen as well. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, the freshmen have to get used to how everything happens, and the seniors have to get used to a whole mess of of, of new players on the team. Not that that's not something that they've been doing all their lives i just mean the dynamic there to be 10 and 0 in the conference to be 15 and 4 over, or uh yeah, i said 15 and 4 i meant 14 and 4 overall that's got it's got to be nice to know that that's working so far yeah it's it's good and you know all the credit's got to go to the players because uh you know we've taken lumps along the way and we've dealt with injuries and and, and it hasn't always been easy in in building um building to where we where we are um you know there's a lot of times where you question you know i'm sure players question you know is this the right way to be going about it and and we as coaches always and i could tell you very honestly we second guess ourselves all the time and um but i give the players all the credit they they this is a uh, an unbelievable group of kids who have 100 percent bought in and committed to what we're trying to do and and more importantly to do it the right way Mm -hmm. and understanding that there are no shortcuts um and you can't skip steps in the process. You have to go through each one, as painstaking as it may be. You have to go through each one. You have to suffer some tough losses in games that you should win in order to, to get yourself to this point. So we've had a luxury of being able to build with five or six guys over the last three years um, that, have, that have really helped us uh, get through this season the way we have to this point. Um, another thing that jumps out at me, you got, you know, we talk about that dynamic. And so you've got a senior leading the way, you've got a freshman in there, and you've got a junior, and you're three leading scorers. Um, mm-hmm. Granville Gittens is leading the way, 15.5 points a game, hauling down seven rebounds a game, um, well over a block a game, um, shooting pretty well from the floor as well. I'm, I'm going to butcher your freshman's name. I'm not even going to try it. So I'm going to let Chima. you. We'll 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 do it. We, uh, he like he goes by Chima Chima, Chima. Ekebar. Okay, I'll go with Chima. Uh, Chima, thirteen point two points a game, nearly six rebounds a game, um, and then Raymond Dela Cruz, ten and a half points a game, 
uh, and certainly leading your you know leading from the 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 point or not the point I, I mean the guard position is he's one of your uh-huh. outside threats at 42 percent from beyond the arc so you've got an interesting dynamic there too you got a senior a freshman and a junior who yep. are are tallying it up on the on the score sheet certainly you got to put an ego aside if you're a senior if you've got a freshman like Chima who's playing that well yeah and we have and the guys have been great with it and um you know, Chima's has been terrific for us right out of the gate, and we knew when we were recruiting him that he was going to be a terrific player. You know, we recruited him out of Christian Brothers Academy in uh, in New Jersey, and uh, you know, they're a terrific program. So we knew we were going to get a kid that that one was coached very well and and was a, a high IQ, high character kid, and um, you know, had a great senior season for them. Uh, and we we were very fortunate to get him, but. Uh, you, you can never predict exactly what freshmen are going to do, yeah. especially in their first year. You kind of have an idea of what they can grow into, sure. but you re- you really don't know what they're going to be um, that first year. And right from the beginning, he he's you know clearly uh, been one of our best players. And uh, and and like I said, I give the, I give our team credit because they've recognized that, and and guys understand that you know this guy needs to be on the court. Freshman, junior, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, he needs to play sure. and. Uh, they, they, you know, one of the things that I give our, you know, guys the most credit for is they really do play for each other. They really do like each other. They care about each other. And when you have a team that that is like that, it's it's really fun to coach, and, and it's been a fun year for us so far. Well, it certainly seems to have been a fun year. Uh, again, ten and zero in the conference, fourteen and four overall. Um, even though my graphic's still wrong, I'm going to give up trying to fix it at this point in time. So, what's the message? I've been asking this about coaches for the last couple of shows. Uh, I'll ask it again this show. You know, we're at that point. We're in the last month of the season. What's the message to the team? How? Do, what are you driving down to them to understand about what the significance is? You talk about making sure you get an AQ and all. How do you? How do you relay that message to student athletes? Well, I mean, look, we we don't talk much about you know AQs. You know, our our goal. You know, is just the next game is the most important game mm-hmm. of our season, and and we talked about that after our game the other night again. And um, look, we can't control the perception of of our league. We feel our league is better than it gives than it's given credit for. We feel our region is better than it's given credit for. But that's not something that we can control. So we, we've taken the approach and of just you know control what we can. And let's just put all of our focus and energies into our next game Tuesday night against John Jay. And if we take that approach, and again, it goes back to the process. If we don't skip steps, you know, we feel that we're going to give ourselves the best opportunity to succeed. Well, quickly, because you brought it up, and you heard me talking about the end jacket, at least earlier on. You know, the vantage point is, you know, last year, no at-large bids came out of the Atlantic region. Uh, Staten Island presumably was the one sitting at the table. Uh, that that didn't get picked, and thus William Patterson didn't get picked, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's how it trickles down, mm-hmm. obviously. How do you? I mean, yes, you don't control the perception necessarily, but obviously the selections are based on numbers more than anything. How do you guys, as a conference, how do you guys, as a region, change things? Because trust me, from my point of view, I would love to see a, a competitive Atlantic region again, and with the freedom now in there in the CSAC, it certainly has that potential. But how do you yep. think things can change in this region? Well, I mean, you know, after last year, after Staten Island didn't get in, you know, we we met as coaches within our with our with um, our conference coaches, and we talked about our scheduling, our out of conference scheduling. We wanted to make sure that that was addressed the right way. Okay. And you know, we felt that look, th- this can't happen to a team like Staten Island. 
And, and to counter one of your points at the beginning of the show, David, you talked about the NJAC not having had success in the NCAA tournament. Staten Island has had a lot of success mm-hmm. when they've gotten to the NCAA tournament. They made an Elite Eight run, um, you know, three years ago. Yeah. And for them, you know, for them to have been left out last year, I, I thought it was just wrong. And I understand you could look at the numbers, okay, and you could look at strength of schedules, and you can look at, uh, you know, whatever numbers are, are factored in, and you can make a case that Staten Island shouldn't have been in the tournament. But I've, you know, we've played Middlebury, we've played Franklin and Marshall, we've played Randolph Macon and Hampton Sydney, and um, we pl- purchased and we've played all of these schools that have been in the NCAA tournament the last few years. And I put Staten Island right at the top of all of them. I put them right there with every single one of them. I, Staten Island last year, to me, absolutely could have been a team to make a Sweet 16 Elite Eight run. I, I really felt they were they were that good, and 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 to me, it was just upsetting that because of what I felt was our perceived lack of strength of our conference and region, uh, they didn't have the opportunity to do so. And, and you did see York. You know, York was obviously not a bad loss for Staten Island because they went out and beat Rhode Island College by 25 on the road oh, sure, in the yeah. first round in the NCAA tournament and gave Amherst everything they could handle at Amherst. So, um, you know, it, I don't know what the answer is to answer your question. I don't, I don't know what we can do to do to – to well, change the perception. You but, seem to. You know, you, I, I know what I know. You certainly seem like you're doing that. If you guys are having a conversation about, hey, we gotta we gotta fix this these SOS numbers. We gotta fix what we're doing out of out of conference, um, which in turn would certainly turn things around for in conference. We gotta take care of those things. That certainly seems like that's a step in that direction. Certainly, mm-hmm. um, with with that challenge. Because honestly, yes, they're a good team, but you, when you don't win the AQ, you put yourself at risk at the at large, and the numbers weren't there. Um, there's a lot of good teams who who do well in the tournament, but then that's not part of the criteria. That's only the criteria in football, <laughs> you know, and th- and that's what it is. So at least you guys are having that conversation, and I'm and that's interesting. I always ask that about coaches. Some coaches say, yeah, in conference we go and have that conversation. Other coaches say, no, we, it's not a conversation we have. We don't like telling coaches that kind of thing. Or at the bottom of the conference doesn't want to listen to us because they're not going to change how they schedule. That's interesting yep. that you guys are at least having that conversation. Um, and moving in those directions. Yeah, no, and, and and I do give credit to the coaches in the league, and you know I feel that we do, we, we do need to collaborate, and we need to come together, and we need to do what's best for our league, and, and um, you know put individual agendas aside, and you know we we have a responsibility to strengthen our conference and to strengthen our profile, and I think when the conference is stronger, it's only going to help and trickle down to the to the in, individual schools. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for the insight on that, because I'm always curious about how the dynamics there. There are some conferences don't want to talk about it or don't want to hear about it, and there's other conferences, clearly like this Cuniac, who's saying, we got to position ourselves in the future better. And I, I'd love hearing that. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. No, um, any time, Dave. Any, well, I might get you on every show if I can get that kind of frankness. <laughs> <laughs> um, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be watching? Yeah, I do. I, you know, I think we've got to have some some D three hoops representation at our at our semifinals. I think we have, uh, like I said, we have five really good teams that I think can, um, you know, can can win at least a game or two in the NCAA tournament if given the right opportunities and the right draw. Um, and you know, we have our our 
uh, our conference final is is televised by ESPN three, but I think those are going to be two terrific semifinal games. And uh, you know we're, we're you know we're looking to strengthen the profile of our league and our schools because I think we do have some very talented and capable teams in our league. Well, well said. Certainly on the radar, that's for sure. Um, you never know if one of us can find a way to get up into the uh, New York area to get to a game, uh, especially the semifinals. You're right. I always like to get more bang for your buck, and sometimes going to the yep. semifinals is definitely the way to do that. Um, appreciate you taking the time, sirs. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. But Do you have a pick? I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Okay. Very good. I'm, I'm, I don't only have because I'll, Only because I'm a Jet fan, and, and I can't bear to watch the Patriots uh, get, win the I don't blame you. <laughs> As a Ravens fan, I don't blame you a bit. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much, Coach. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Thanks again. Absolutely. John Leslie joining us here on Hoopsville. By the way, you've been keeping a track on NYU versus Emory. Emory's come storming back, was within four, now down by four with New York uh, in the lead. We're going to go to that, if you don't mind, while we get our next guest on the line as Emory tries to Second. do something with Sworn. it. Crosses over. Shot. No good. And NYU wins. NYU survives. NYU knocks off Uh, Emory. Break number 12 in the country. Uh, 96 to 92. The third top 25 team to fall here at the Full Sports Center this season. Um, And it was down to the Violets. And they're able to hold on. So congratulations to NYU. By the way, Rochester swept NYU. uh, I said NYU had lost to Carnegie Mellon. I misspoke. Uh, they played Rochester. Rochester beat both NYU and uh, Brandeis today in men's basketball action. Rochester showing that maybe they're just a little bit uh, better than uh, advertised, as you as it were, as well. Going to take another break, as we mentioned. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll jump uh, and talk to the Central Region in Monmouth men's basketball. You're listening to Hoops Hoop, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. When we come back, Central Region basketball here on Hoopsville. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division 3 allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, It's not just sitting back, taking notes. 
you're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to Hoopsville. Well, we got jumped the gun here with a graphic. Let's jump that back. Uh, filling, finishing things up there. Sorry about the, the pregnant pause, as it were. Keeping an eye on things across the country. NYU beating Emory today. And by the way, if you're if you're trying to understand what a top 25 voter is thinking, here's how you're thinking this. Okay, so NYU, I put them into my top 25 last week after they beat both Chicago and, and Wash U at home and, and dismantled Wash U. So I'm like, okay, and I've seen him in person. I really like what NYU looks like. They then lose to Rochester on Friday. I'm going, oh, man, jump the gun. Now they come back and beat Emory. Granted, Emory came back and made that a game, but still, now you're sitting there going, okay, now what do I think of NYU? What do I think of of Chicago and WashU as a result? What do I think of Emory as a result? It's it's crazy this year. Augustana has lost, lost another game this year. Um, it, it won't be another undefeated team in the CCIW. Um, Worcester lost two games. It's craziness. It's great for Division Three. It's just crazy as a top twenty-five voter. And let's keep going things here. Um, and and talk to our next guest, as you may have already seen on the graphic. Uh, one of the stories coming out of the Central Region and, the, and especially the Midwest Conference is Monmouth. Uh, the team is thirteen and five overall, ten and three in the Midwest Conference. This is considering they were six and seventeen, five and thirteen last year. They haven't had double-digit wins since 2007, and they were above 500 that season at 12 and 11. So that's one of those we got to talk to Monmouth. So joining us on the Hoopsville hot, Hotline is their head coach Todd Scrivseth. I hope I got that one right, Coach. Welcome to the show, sir. Well, I appreciate you having me on, and yeah, you did pronounce that correctly. Well, good. I'm glad to hear I got I didn't screw that one up too badly. Listen, I mean, 13 and five, you have doubled more than doubled your win total from last year already. You've doubled your win total in the Midwest Conference. You're sitting in second in the conference. Granted, St. Norbert is walking away with this thing, but still, you're in second place in the conference. Um, the first question, I guess, is maybe from your point of view, it's going to be obvious, but from my point of view. Is this what you expected this season? You know, I, I really thought we were ready to turn the corner in, with our program. Um, <clears throat> we've we've got some upperclassmen that have gotten quite a bit of experience playing the previous two seasons, and uh, they've been working extremely hard. They've had a had a really good good approach. They've gotten uh, stronger, improved their skill level, and then we were able to, you know, fill some holes in our roster with our talented freshman class that we were able to bring in and you know so we were really hoping for something like this to happen um you know it's been a fun year so far to this point and we hope to just keep it going um it's certainly yeah, at this point what are you playing with house money 
Uh, I mean, it pretty much are. I mean, the season's 13-5. and five. Granted, the season started rough. Uh, of course, you get into conference play really early, uh, and you started 1-2 and two on the season with a loss to St. Norbert. You respond by beating Grinnell, which for a team that was 6-17 and 17 last year and has really struggled over the last decade, to get a win over them is significant, I would assume. Um, you then play Whitewater and fall to Whitewater, but then rebound and, and beat River Falls. Um, you, and granted, you've got a lot of conference games in there, but you got little significant games uh, in there. And granted, Grinnell's coming up in your next one coming up here on Wednesday or Thursday, I should say. <clears throat> you got to be you, you, the little things seem to be making big differences. Yeah, no, there, there's no question. You know, I'll be quite honest with you. I, you know, when I was looking at our schedule before the season thought started i thought boy we could be one and seven you know because um, because we, we we played a difficult schedule um but i think it it definitely helped us you know fortunately like you said we were able to win that game at, at grinnell um at carroll was a big win for us as well early in the season and then um our win against river falls up at the whitewater tournament you know i think really started making our guys believe that uh, you know we could do something special this year um, and granted, you're playing the team like Whitewater, and Brent probably wasn't really on your choice of playing Whitewater. Whitewater probably chose you guys. But it was within a 20-point game, which is, says something for a program that's been kind of rebounding. We talked about the Grinnell game. Um, St. Norbert has had your number, but it was a decently close game the other night. Yes, you've lost two in a row early in the season. You lost two in a row recently, but you, were, you got back into it with the win over Lake Forest. seems like the guys have a short-term memory. You, you know, it's a nice group to, to coach. They they work extremely hard, um, you know, every day in practice. Very rarely do we have a bad practice. Uh, we've, we've got really good depth in our program. Uh, so, think, you know, practices are competitive, and, you know, I, I think that helps. You know, we, the previous two years, you know, we obviously, um, our final record didn't, I don't think, indicate um, – the type of players we had in our program, we we were we were competitive, but you know, as you know, it's a fine line between winning and losing, and and uh, we just instead of being up, you know, four or five, and with two minutes to go in the game, we always seem to be down four or five, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, we've been able to kind of reverse that trend this year, and and um, they do have a short memory, but um, you know, we just got a good group that's extremely motivated to. You know, get Monmouth basketball back on the map. You were hired ahead of the 2011-12 season, and you went seven and sixteen, then seven and sixteen, then six and seventeen. How hard is it as a coach to kind of have that kind of start where you're just you're stagnant? You're not according to the numbers. Again, according to the numbers, just the results. You're just not. Sure. You're not on that uptick. How hard is that to hit rear four and be going? Come on, where, where is this uptick coming? And then to start the season one and two too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it it was difficult, you know. Uh, I, I hadn't experienced that as a coach, you know. As as an assistant, I was up at uh, Stevens Point under Jack Bennett when we were extremely successful up there, and then yeah, I spent ten years with with Coach Miller, um, you know, and we averaged over twenty wins a season. So, you know, I knew it was going to be a difficult process. Uh, I think the thing that um, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel was just the approach our guys had. Um, you know, they, you could tell they wanted to be good. You could tell they were willing to put the time and effort into, you know, making the necessary changes, uh, to, to, to make it happen. So, um, it's a close knit group we have here 
you know, I got a staff that does a tremendous job. Uh, my assistants are led by Steve Schweer, and uh, and uh, you know, it's just we, we've got a, a really good culture at here at Monmouth right now, and I think that's kind of what held us together through a couple of rough seasons. Um, you certainly rough seasons, but you talk about the upperclassmen uh, on this team. You've got a mess of juniors. Uh, you've got one senior. You've got a mess of juniors uh, yeah, we do. on this team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was kind of our first recruiting class that we were able to put together, and and uh, you know it's a credit to those guys because you know I'm sure not all of them get the playing time that they'd like, but uh, they've definitely bought into what we're trying to accomplish here. And you know there's a number of guys that I can call on in a in a game, whether we get foul troubles, injuries, things like that, that are more than capable of stepping in and providing us quality minutes um is it is this one of those things where sure we i'm going to read into this next year uh, that's for sure but is it one of those where the guys are starting to understand what this could mean even beyond this year i think so i i think so you know um obviously st norbert's the gold standard right now in yeah. our league and they've been that way for for quite some time um you know so so we need to we need to continue to try to progress as a team. Uh, obviously, the rest of the season is going to be extremely important for us. And and um, you know, but yeah, they, I think they have um, big aspirations. Um, <laughs> no question about it. My yeah, my my gut tells me they would be having big aspirations too. Will Jones, though, it's interesting, is not a junior and he's leading your team. He's a freshman. 15.1 points a game, six and a half rebounds a game. So you have all these juniors, and it's a freshman who's leading the way. Granted, by two tenths of a point uh, over Andrew Mathis, uh, Andrew Matheson. Um, Matheson, of course, is one of those juniors. Uh, 14.9 points a game, six point, nearly seven rebounds a game. And then John Calhoun at set nine points a game as well. So while you've got all these juniors, and you're certainly getting a lot out of those juniors, at least the underclassmen have already stepped up and made their presence known as well. Yeah, they, our freshman class absolutely filled some holes that we had in our roster. Um, we needed to get more athletic on the perimeter, and uh, they've 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 helped us accomplish that, and, and they've made us a different team. So it's it's been nice to see. Uh, Will does a great job. He competes on both ends of the floor, and um, you know he's a coach's kid. His dad used to be the head coach at Slippery Rock. Okay. Um, and uh, was an assistant at the Division One level for a number of years. So he understands the game, and he understands that uh, you know the little things are important. He he does a nice job for us in those areas. What's it like to uh, be coaching this team when uh, you used to be a co, um, when those were actually conference rivals? Um, mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of that in the Central Region. You know, Elmer's head coach used to play somewhere else, and. Uh, you know, uh, Milliken's head coach used to play at Wheaton. You certainly get that in the central region. What's it like to, to be coaching when, when you're familiar with everything going on but from a different point of view? Sure. No, it, you know, obviously Terry Glasgow, when he was here as the head coach for, you know, a number of years, he, he had an extremely strong program and built quite a bit of tradition here. Um, you know, so it, it's nice that we can we – can, um, you know, get Monmouth back to a place that they're accustomed to being. Um, it's like you said, it's been quite some time, but uh, you know, I don't think people um, have forgotten. You know, some of the things that Terry's Terry accomplished that he while he was uh, the coach here. So, um, 
you know, I always remember playing against Monmouth, and and they were good. You know, they they were good. They were you knew you were going to have to really play well to beat them, and um, you know, so it's it's been fun to 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 be here for the last four years. Um, you know, and we keep working hard to see where we can take this. You talk about the conference and that St. Norbert is a gold standard. That has certainly been the case. They certainly reloaded well this year. Uh, again, you're three games back of them as they're walking away with the conference right now. Grinnell's nipping at your heels by a game and a half. Um, and then two games behind you is Ripon, two and a half is Lake Forest. Certainly you want to position yourself for this conference tournament. It was a top four, I believe, um, in the conference tournament. You want to be in a good spot and maybe even avoid St. Norbert if you can uh, until the championship game. What do you need to to do? I mean, obviously you've got a big game with Grinnell coming up here on Wednesday that could that could have a lot of, of ramifications. Um, you've got uh, Cornell and Beloit, then Illinois College and Lawrence to wrap it up. So what do you what do you guys besides the obvious answer, win, what do you guys really need to do? Is it is it just kind of take Grinnell in stride, even if you lose, take care of the rest of the business? Or is it you need to go out there and just win every single game? You know, we we've just taken a one game at a time approach all season. Um, you know, to be, to be perfectly honest with you, um, obviously the Grinnell game's the next one up on the schedule, and there's a little bit more significance to it with just the way the standings are. Um, but uh, you know, we we know that um, we just you know we know that we just need to continue to play well. Um, a big a big thing for our team this year is our, is just having a willingness to improve, to continue to work, to try to get better. You know, so we're playing. We are playing our best basketball if we're fortunate enough to make it into the conference tournament by the end of the year. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. It's it's great to see you guys in the conversation um, in a very interesting Midwest conference. To be completely honest, but well, actually, before I let you go, um, you're certainly familiar with the Grinnell system. What's it like to try and coach against it? And I mean that from the sense we asked. St. Norbert, the same question. Is it one of those where you just got to go out and try and execute your own game plan and not get fooled into their system, or how do you adjust? You know, I, I think there's some, some key areas that you have to execute well. Um, you know, the first one is you got to get the ball in bounds, you know, and uh, that that's, you know, I know that uh, seems simplistic, but you you really got to work to get the ball um to get the ball inbounded and and you can't be afraid of pressure um you know because if you can if you can handle their pressure uh and not turn the ball over where you're creating some easy opportunities for them um you're going to get high percentage shots you know so we we keep, we try to keep things really simple um when we play them um you know we just uh we've had the same approach offensively uh, all four years that that we've played them, and then defensively we've kind of mixed things up. We've you know we've switched defenses, we've zoned them, we've manned them, we've you know, we've done about triangle and two, we've done about everything to try to slow them down. Um, but you know, but the, one of the big keys is just uh, you know the you can't let them get a bunch of offensive rebounds because a lot of times those lead to open threes and sure. and uh, you know they, they they can be extremely dangerous. I saw where they. Uh, almost shot 50% from three against Ripon uh, yesterday. So we'll have our work cut out for us. Yeah, well, that's certainly the case. Good luck against them. Good luck the rest of the season. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? No, I just uh, I'd like to thank you for having this show. It's it's great that you know Division three basketball can have a forum like this, and um, you know there's there's some 
obviously quality basketball uh, being played at our level. And, and uh, you know, if any fans are listening, to get out and support their teams. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, do you have a pick for the game tonight? i got to go with Seattle. Um, you know, spending all that time up in Wisconsin as an assistant coach, uh, i got to go with the Russell Wilson connection. <laughs> uh, even though you're Green Bay Packers gloss? No, I'm a Vikings fan, actually, oh, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, I my really father, feel bad My for father you. cursed me with that yeah. long ago. So. Sorry, my father cursed me with being a Cubs fan, so I totally appreciate <laughs> that. Hey, uh, Coach, thanks so much. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to chatting with you soon. All right, take care. Yep, you too. Coach Todd Skritseth. Skritseth joining us here on the show. Monmouth Scots again, having a terrific season, uh, certainly by any definition of the term, but it's certainly by their standards. 13-5 and five overall, complete turnaround um, from the last decade. Certainly great to see them in the conversation, 10-3 and three in the conference. They may be well back of St. Norbert, but they're going to probably be in the conference tournament, and that is great to see from the Monmouth side. Before we go to break, um, I, if none of you know, I actually uh, – um, uh, oversee video production at Stevenson University, and I only bring that up because I want you to at least understand I saw this play in person. Uh, but this is a heck of a play. You've seen a lot of alley-oops, especially on maybe fast breaks, but you probably have never seen an alley-oop like this. You probably have never seen one that's got a bounce pass featured in it. This is the perfect pass to an incredible alley-oop. He was in the first half yesterday against uh, Arcadia. Stevenson went on to win this game. Um, I believe it's got the call on it in the call. Uh, I'll, I'll try and tune in too. Um, is pretty good as well. I would. I heard that one as it happened. So check it out. It's well worth a listen. Uh, hope. Uh, hope you enjoy the play as as much as at least I did at the time. Uh, here it is on, from SUTV and Stevenson Athletics. And Bert knocks it away. Good job. And actually, it's off of Plymouth, and so it'll be Washi with the basketball. So Nick. No, Bert's hold back on a in. second. We're gonna start that over. Going to start that one over. Sorry, folks, because uh, yeah, there was audio in there I didn't want you to get, and I accidentally got it in there. So let's try that over. Sorry, you can hear the Wash U broadcast in the background. I'm monitoring that. There we go. That way, at least you can enjoy the call from this one. Here we go. One more time. Again, uh, Arcadian Stevenson. Stevenson leads by one at the time of this play. And in, uh, well, I'll take the graphic down so you can see that and enjoy it. Up by one. Mayberry off the screen, long two on the way. Back of the rim, no good. Mustangs fight for it. Boots has it. Ahead to Farr. Farr. Look at the low. Jansen Hove. Sean Farr. The dump leaking out. Justin Boots the assist. It looked like the slam dunk contest as he caught it right off the high bounce and jammed it in like a 75-foot alley-oop. That was pretty darn good, if I do say so myself. Uh, looked better than it did in person. Um, good work there. Uh, I think that's a pretty good play, and I've tweeted it out accordingly. Uh, if you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. You can uh, um, join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you can also email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. A little bit behind schedule, we're going to get going here. We're going to jump back, uh, go up into the Northeast, I should say, talk women's basketball with Castleton and State coming up. We still have to hear from Louisiana College in the South, and we'll jump back to the Northeast as well to hear from a guy out there who might give us an idea what the heck's going on out there in the Northeast. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville when we come back and, and talking to another team uh, who certainly knows they need to get the job done in their automatic bid possibilities for the uh, 
for the NCAA tournament. You listen to Hoopsville. We'll be back after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time. To really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, ladies and gentlemen, on this Super Sunday edition. We certainly appreciate you taking the time to join us on an earlier show. Uh, don't want to try and interfere with the big game. So as tradition has been here on the show, we don't interfere with the big game and we do a show a little bit earlier. Because it seems appropriate that on a, um, on a uh, Sunday that features a game um, with a New England team that we do talk about New England teams um, on that particular day. On Sundays, that is, not necessarily Super Sunday. One of those teams that is maybe flying just a bit under the radar thanks to the attention some of the teams in the NUMAC and NESCAC are getting in women's basketball might be the Castle and State Spartans. They're a perennial 21 season, uh, 20 win type team over the last few years. You remember back in 2012, they were 22 and 6, followed with 29 and 2, 27 and 4. Certainly on clip to get another 20 wins this season. So we figured, well, we better talk to their head coach. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the women's head coach for Castleton State, and it is Tim Barrett. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. Glad to be here. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I mean, when you're 15 and four overall on yet another run, you've got 20 plus wins so far the last three seasons. You're certainly on pace to do that this year. Um, at this point, it's almost maybe expected for you guys to hit 20 wins. What's, what's the season been like so far? Well, certainly the, the bar has been raised over the last couple of years and, you know, the last year's success going to the sweet 16 and, uh, you know, that group of seniors really has raised the bar for our program. But this, this year's uh, team is kind of find, trying to find its own identity. We're, uh, you know, we're, we have eight freshmen. So it's a, it's been a fun year to this point where we, I think we've, we've shown a lot of improvement, uh, since the beginning of the year, and 
we're playing we're playing pretty well on the defensive end of things, but you know, trying to find our stride, I guess I would say, on the offensive end. We're right now a little bit of a shooting slump. Uh, I guess that's to be expected a little bit with only two uh, two starters uh, two starters back from last year's team and um, and really only those two players had a, you know had a lot of experience uh, coming into the season. Um, when we look at your history, we'll talk about this team in just a bit. You know, the first time you guys had 20 wins, and I want to talk recently. Certainly, uh, 19 and eight back in 2008 is shy. I'm just talking about the last four seasons. Uh, counting this one, 22 and six. You guys ended in the first round of the NCAA tournament. The interesting thing was the following year at 29 and two. Don't make the NCAA tournament um, uh, and, ha- and and play some ECAC games. Um, the following year at 27 and four. You guys, as you point out, last year making to the Sweet 16 before losing to a tough Tufts squad. Couldn't really work my way out of that very well. Um, and now you're on to you know another season where you could be into the NCAA tournament. What have you as a coach and maybe some of the players who are seniors now kind of learned about the last few years that, that may be fueling you guys a little bit this year? Well, I think some of it is. I think you know the, our, our returners do have some confidence. Obviously, they've won a lot of games. And, and I think one of the things that's kind of carried on over the last three or four years is you know the way that we need to go about our business and 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 prepare and some of the work that they needed to do in the off season to to get better but certainly you know from day to day you know their effort and practice and um you know one of our goals is to try to get better every day and don't take steps backwards and for the most part our players have done a pretty good job with that you know in the there are seniors this year Jay DeRush and Megan O'Sullivan have, have really done a good job since the beginning of the year uh, with their leadership and getting the eight freshmen kind of on the same page and understanding how we do things, and that's been a big part of the of of the you know success we've had. And I think that one of the things we've been pretty consistent over the last three or four years is I think that we've been pretty solid on the defensive end of things. I know last year we finished the year um, first in the country in scoring defense, and so I think that's something that we pride ourselves in. I think that we're right now we're playing probably better on the defensive end than we are the offensive end. Uh, but that's you know some of the things that uh, we kind of stress every day, and uh, I think certainly two years ago when we got beat in the conference championship game and didn't get get an NCAA look, uh, bid and win in the ECAC New England championship, I think was a kind of started was the start of uh, you know the, the major success that we've had over the last uh, two years. Yeah, it's one of those surprising things. You only have two losses on the season. Of course, one comes ill-timed early in in your conference tournament, and you end up being left out of the NCAA tournament, but, you know, you talk about this team, we'll talk about this season, we'll, we'll get into the team just a little bit more in a moment, but, you know, you, you took on some, some interesting opponents this year, you've taken on some, some challenges, you've also made sure to prepare yourself for conference action, uh, the two losses that, that jump out to me, uh, one to Williams, uh, who is certainly a, a good team, but it, it wasn't close, you took a, an interesting loss to Husson just a few games back, uh, Middlebury tripped you up earlier on in the season. It almost seems like it's been feast or famine. You get a loss to middle uh, to Williams, probably a little bit understanding, but then you take a loss to Husson, and it's one of those where maybe those on the outside wondering just how good is Castleton try and gauge. What? How do you think the season's been from that vantage point? Has it been one of those where, as you point out, with eight freshmen, you're still kind of learning the ropes, as it were, with this team? We are. We really are, especially on the offensive end. We're really trying to find some consistency with scoring. You know, I think the last couple of games, it's it's been more of a shooting, 
uh, we haven't shot the ball well, but some of the some of those losses that we had early on, and we, we've talked about this a lot as a team, is that we we need to have better balance between our inside and outside scoring. And I think in a couple of our losses, we've got you know too too comfortable just settling for you know a three point shot. And I don't think that's who we are. I think that we have we have good size. We have some players that are capable on the inside. I think we need to really, some, one of the things we're trying to stress is, is getting balance, um, scoring from the inside in out. And we've been, I think, relying too much on the, on the perimeter jump shot. But, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, the early season losses weren't as, um, you know, weren't as bad as I thought. The Williams is probably better than us, but what what stood out with that game, I didn't think that we competed very well, and that's one of the few times this year that I didn't feel that uh, we made a great effort. Um, and that's that's not characteristic of our of our program. So I was a little, you know, I was a little taken back on that. But you know, it, it is a very good Williams team, and um, I think we would have had to play outstanding to uh, to beat them. What's also what jumps out at me about the seasons you played just eight games up until mid December. You take about three weeks off, and then 11 games in the month of January, you know, an average of every three days playing a game, essentially, or less than. Um, and certainly conference action has a lot to do with it, but you also slid in, as we point out, some non-conference opponents and Elms and uh, Norwich, Williams, um, and, and the like. That's a lot of basketball. Um, you still have, you know, six games left in the season so a little bit of an easier february i know scheduling is scheduling but is that one of those where it's also difficult to pace your team just a little bit yeah but i think it's good for us i mean i think we want to be challenged i put that williams game in there for a reason i think it was a i i, I think that we need to play those schools um you know last year in the tournament we you know we know that if we are fortunate enough to win our conference tournament you know we're going to have to we're probably going to be playing a bowden or a or williams or a damhurst that's just just the way it works out, and um, yeah. so we, I think it's important that we play those schools, and um, I kind of sandwich that game in between a couple conference games. So I think it only, I think those games only help. I just wish that we had competed a little bit better in that particular game, but. Uh, you know, I think that we know. You know, we need to win the conference tournament to to uh, to go on. We're not mm-hmm. going to get it at large bid. So I think it's you know we need to uh, at this point of the season we're we're in a nice spot where we do control our own destiny as far as uh, hopefully be able to host the conference tournament if we can hold our one game uh, lead in the conference standing. So you know we like we like where we're at at this point. Yeah, you're, 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 you almost have nothing to lose in some sense. Uh, by the way, Williams, the beginning of six games in 11 days. You, you basically had a scenario here where you know you, you're not getting an at-large bid. So you might as well go out there and schedule in certain ways to prepare your team because somewhat, and, and, and yes, they affect in other ways, but in some cases the losses aren't going to hurt you and they're not going to they're going to help certainly, but they're not going to hurt your chances of an at-large because you probably right. aren't playing for one anyway. Right, and I, but the biggest thing with that is strength of schedule. We know yeah. that we need to schedule the, you know, we we played Bates early. We played, you know, we played Williams. You know, Norwich is uh, is probably one of the better teams in the in the GNAC. Uh, so you know, we have challenged ourselves yeah. in that way. But it, it is important, you know, that strength of schedule number is is important, and uh, it's trying to find a balance of finding those games that aren't that are going to help your strength of schedule, but also you have an opportunity to, that you can opportunity to win and that fit into your you know, into your overall schedule. You talk about the team, two seniors, eight freshmen, as you point out. Uh, Both seniors are leading the way in the stats column, at least point-wise. 17 points from 
Jade uh, Disroach. Uh, DeRoche. DeRoche, yep. thank you. Yeah. Uh, DeRoche, I apologize. Uh, Megan O'Sullivan, uh, I like that name. It's far easier. Uh, Twelve and a half points a game as a senior. Then you have another. You have a sophomore step up in Lindsey Sabo, uh, ten points a game. Um, and then you have a couple of juniors in, in Brianna Dupont and Allie Jones, uh, scoring five plus points a game. What? But while that's interesting, what I find really fascinating is of the thirteen players that you have had get into games, you played eleven of them in fifteen or more of your nineteen. You're willing to test this team out and go deep into the bench, and and certainly are willing to get these freshmen some minutes. Well, we know we need to be. You know, last year one of the strengths that we had is we did have some depth, and in the only re, you know only way that our eight freshmen are going to get better is to get them some experience. So we try to play as many kids as possible. Obviously, you know, in some games it's more difficult than others, but um, I think there's a lot of you know after you t- you know under after Jade and and Megan. Uh, O'Sullivan, I mean, there's not a lot of players beneath them that have a lot of experience. So it's important that, you know, to, to build the program is it, we need to, we understand we need to get the freshman minutes. And, uh, one, Lindsay Zabel, who you mentioned is, is probably, is coming, is starting to come into her own, which is, which is good to see. I mean, she, she plays with an edge and, I mean, she has the ability to score. And actually, the last couple of games that she's really stepped up, I think she's averaged, you know, 14 or 15 points a game over the last, last four games for us. So hopefully she continues to, we, she continues to give us that production as we move forward to the uh, towards the end of the season. Um, we also should point out um, uh, eight eight plus rebounds for Dupont, um, but it's not like everybody else isn't crashing the boards either. You got a whole host of players of four rebounds or more a game. Obviously, this team is is made up of those from Vermont. Though you've got others, and, and you've got some maybe deceptible size. Um, at least listed, you've got a, a handful of six footers and, and near six footers, and a couple, you know, five nine, five teners. Um, but and, and and I think a lot of women's basketball teams, especially in the Northeast, you get used to some of the smaller size, mm-hmm. uh, the five fours and the five fives from the guard play. But you do have a couple six footers and a five tenner and a five eleven, at least listed on the roster. It, it seems to lend itself to a little bit more of an inside game for you guys. Have you had that success, at least from the rebounding side of things? It looks that way. Just I don't see it on the points necessarily. No, I think, and that's one of the things that we're stressing. I do think we have it's, it's young talent at, at um, in the in the post. Um, but I will tell you that you know we can go with a bigger lineup. Generally, we play with a smaller lineup with Jade DeRush and, and Lindsey and Allie Jones on the perimeter. But I think Jade plays a lot bigger than she is. I mean, she's probably you know five four, five five on the, in the program, but she plays a lot bigger than that. And I think the 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 big thing with her it seems like she she plays her best in the biggest in, in the biggest games. And I, I think she's a you know if you look at all of our biggest games over the last three years, she's she's uh, you know she's always been one of our leading scorers and has and has done some great things for us. So. Um, you know, we have decent size. I wouldn't say it's great, um, but, you know, a lot of the younger players that, you know, we are trying to get more minutes for are, are some of our bigger kids. Let's talk about this conference. We've hinted at it a little bit. Husson is a game behind you. You guys are 11-1 and in conference, Husson 10-2, and mainly thanks to the win that they have uh, over you to keep it interesting, as it were. Uh, New England College is two games back at 9-3. and uh, Colby Sawyer uh, uh, three-and-a-half games back. At eight and four, and I really should say uh, two games back. I think I said for New England College. What what's the? I mean, obviously this is an at-large conference. I mean a uh, AQ conference, a non-at-large most likely. You've got Husson lurking. Certainly their program has developed quite a bit over the years. 
New England College is lurking. What are you going to have to get done uh, besides obviously win uh, in the next six games when you don't necessarily face off against any of them? You're you're not you're not taking on any team who's that close behind you. No, I mean I think one of the biggest games coming up for us will be you know we we have to go to Colby Sawyer and Colby yeah. Sawyer is kind of I wouldn't say underachieved this year but they have not played they've been up and down you know they 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 play well and then they they've gotten beat by a couple teams that I wouldn't think they would have uh, so that's going to be a challenge for us obviously we control our own destiny and yeah. we need we need to come to play each night and take care of business on our end um, I think Hudson's a pretty good basketball team I mean they beat Southern Maine at Southern Maine yeah. um, they they took it to us Friday night. And they beat us up on the inside, and we didn't shoot the ball well. But you know, if we face them again, that's going to be a they're going to be a challenge. And um, but I also think you know there's some other teams in our league that are that are young, that are getting better, and um, you know. So, but I think we you know we do go to Colby Sawyer, and we we have uh, two of the main schools coming to us uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, at least the advantage is you certainly have your fair share of home games. I think it's evenly split three and three of home and away. Yeah, you do have Maine Farmington coming to you. Uh, that'll certainly be helpful. Thomas coming to you certainly is helpful. Because I'll admit, knowing New England, there is no straight line between where you guys are and where you got to play some of your teams. It's it's kind of a through the mountains and around the woods uh, type of thing. And I said that on purpose. Right. Because um, you really do have to go through the mountains and sometimes around the woods to get to these teams. How much has the weather affected you guys so far? I know you guys may not be where it has been hit the hardest, but your opponents have been. You know, especially the you know the northern Maine schools. We've been really fortunate this year. We haven't lost or had any games rescheduled, and um, so we were able to get all of our games in. And the last storm, we only got three three to four inches of snow compared to you know a foot and a half up in uh, up in Maine. So yeah. we've been fortunate. Then it hasn't affected our schedule at all. We are you know they are we are expecting some weather over the next couple of days, but hopefully that it won't. Uh, you know, won't have any impact. But you know, our conference is spread out, and I think that's the importance of, you know, winning, uh, winning the conference championship. So we or winning the you know, being the number one seed, so we can host the conference championship. That's why it is so important. So you don't have to take the six-hour trip to to Bangor. Or, uh, uh, that's probably what you know the other possible site could be. I was going to say that's a, a bit of a longer haul, certainly, and yeah, they've been slammed up there. And I was just looking at the directions of how you would get to Farmington, for example. Yeah, there's literally no straight line. No, uh, not. You, you either head north and head east, you head east, then north, then head east, head southeast a little bit, then head north. You really don't have an option there of anything uh, ideal, especially if the mount, the, the uh, weather is bad. It's a beautiful area, just not necessarily in the middle of winter. That's for sure. Um, so what's the message to the team? You've got these six games left. You're in the lead in the conference, but, you know, one bad loss or one tough loss is going to kind of derail everything, and you are going to have to maybe head to Bangor, Maine, to get that AQ. So how do you how do you get that message across to the team? Well, I think we kind of hit a lull right now. I think we just lost Friday night. I think you know these kind of the dog days of the seasons, I call them. And I think you know everybody goes through some sickness and injuries, and this is kind of what we're going through right now. So I think it's to kind of kind of refocus and and start headed you know start headed in the other direction again i think we kind of flatlined for the last week and a half or so and i'm I'm hoping to the energy level and um you know we'll start making some shots and you know i i think you know i i'm looking forward to the next couple weeks i I think that we're going to continue to get better and uh um 
you know, we're looking forward to the challenge ahead, and, and hopefully we can uh, host a conference championship at, in the end of February. Well, it certainly would be nice to see uh, from the vantage point of a D3 fan. It's always nice to see places uh, like yourselves get those opportunities. I certainly would love to see you guys make it back to the NCAA tournament uh, as well. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us on this Super Sunday show. Um, if you, As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be watching? No, just thanks again for uh, having me on Hoopsville, and uh, I appreciate all the hard work you do in, in promoting Division Three men's and women's basketball. And um, you know, we're looking forward to the uh, to, to the end of the year, and uh, hope you and your family can get some time this afternoon and enjoy the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, I should ask; it's probably obvious. I'd say I suspect you're rooting for the Patriots. No, I'm not a Patriots fan, to be okay. honest with you. So I'm hoping for a competitive Super Bowl, and I really don't have a huge, you know, huge uh, favorite who I would like to see win. So right. I'm just hoping that it's a competitive game. But not a Patriots fan, believe it or not. That's all right. So, we, we were accepting it if you were, so it's okay. okay. <laughs> hey, Coach, thanks so much again for joining us. Take care of yourself, and we'll okay, talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Tim Barrett joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Again, team is 15-4 and four overall, 11-1 and one in conference action. Of course, that's the NAC um, conference or a game ahead of Husson uh, in women's basketball. Look forward to seeing how they do. If you're not familiar where Castleton is, it's literally on the western side of Vermont, south uh, of Burlington, um, northeast of Albany. Um, it, and so thus, you're going from one side of New England clear to the northeast side to get all the way to up to Husson. It's not the easiest thing to do through the mountains of the Green Mountains and White Mountains of Vermont and New Hampshire and into the mountains of Maine. So uh, certainly an interesting travel in the NAC, to say the least. Going to take a break. When we come back, we have plenty more hoops still ahead. We'll even take another kind of in-depth look at the Northeast uh, from, a, from one of those guys who covers a lot of it, especially the NESCAC. We'll talk about that coming up. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or Facebook us at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. More Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result in my mind is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. 
With the D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. It is uh, here on the February 1st, our Super Sunday show. Uh, of course, we are getting uh, on the air early just so we can uh, enjoy the game as much as everybody else does down the road. Uh, keeping an eye on the Wash U Case Western game. Wash U starting to make it interesting after being down quite a bit of num uh, points. Uh, they are now uh, trailing by nine. Uh, less than a minute to go in the second half. Keep an eye on that one. Remember, NYU already beat Emory earlier today. So the N UAA certainly um, full of interesting results so far this um, this day and really this season. Um, as uh, we'll keep an eye on what's going on there um, in that game. In the meantime, we're going to jump from the northeast to the south uh, and try and get an idea of what's going on maybe down there, especially in the ASC. One of those teams that I run early on in the season, I was talking to Mary Harden Baylor's Ken DeWeese. He talked about how one team that worried him was Louisiana College. And then when we talked to Harden Simmons, they said the exact same thing. So we figured, well, we, we might as well talk to them because uh, if you look at the ASC standings right now, Louisiana College is in the thick of it, tied for second place at 10-4 and four with East Texas Baptist and Mary Harden Baylor. And so we thought we'd get Coach Rushing on the show, Gene Rushing, joining us here on Hoopsville. Coach, are you there? How are you, Coach? Doing fine. How are y'all today? We're doing pretty good. First and foremost, congratulations on the season so far. Uh, ten and eight overall, ten and four in conference action. You guys have uh, won uh, six of your last seven as well, uh, including a big win over Mary Harden Baylor just yesterday. You got to be pretty thrilled with how this is coming together. Well, we really are. It uh, it was a good win last. Uh, yesterday afternoon against Mary Harden Baylor. They're a quality team, and, uh, you know, two years ago they were run up in the nation. And uh, year in and year out, they're one of the uh, top top basketball teams in our league. And uh, for the last few years, you know, they've been in national prominence. So uh, it was a good win for us. They're very well coached. Uh, one of my former teammates coached some Ken DeWeese and uh, just does a great job, and we were happy to, get to, uh, to be able to win. Yeah, I knew that the reason he liked you guys was the, the the teammate connection just a little bit. You guys go way back certainly, and now you're you're coaching against each other. Is that a little bit of a surreal experience? Well, it's he's the only one that uh, I'm coaching against that uh, was on the basketball team with either in high school or college. So uh, it is unique. Uh, doesn't happen every day. Uh, he's a good man and good guy and. Uh, uh, we're friends, but uh, when we when we play, you know that competitive instinct comes out uh, as it did uh, as your years in in uh, in college. So, uh, yeah, Ken's a good one and uh, does a good job. Um, yeah, you guys now split the the season, as it were. They beat you earlier on when you guys were going through a bit of a rough stretch, um, and you get the win back. Now it's interesting. You've literally had the tale of two different seasons. Um, you guys lost. Let's see. Seven of the first ten games, really, uh, uh, you lost eight of the first 
um, uh, I think, a, a 12 or 13 games. And then you've been on this roll ever since. What's clicked? What What's happened between um, the beginning of January and now that's got your team rolling along? Well, I think our chemistry is better. Uh, we've been shooting the ball. We've been sporadic shooting the ball throughout the uh, beginning of the year and even up until uh, we got on this run. So uh, our shooting is better from the field, and our rebounding has been better. Uh, we're not the biggest team in the country by no means. We, we'll start 6-5, uh, will be our biggest, and then we'll go down from there pretty quickly. So uh, rebounding the ball has been an issue for us, and that, uh, that has improved, especially uh, offensive rebounding. And then, again, shooting the ball from the field is improved. We've been really up and down from that standpoint. And uh, keep our fingers crossed, but we've shot the ball very well from the free throw line. Um, certainly, free throw shooting is a key, and I've noticed it, it hasn't been great across the board for a lot of schools. Um, but knowing Ken, I know it's something that he stresses quite a bit, and I suspect if your teammates it's the same thing. Um, is it is it sometimes just that simple that you can – you can put away a game late in the first half, even early in the second half, just because you're hitting your shots and, and you're and you're taking advantage of those free points. Well, if you're shooting the ball, it, you know, doesn't matter what level you're on, D1, D2, D3. Uh, to me, uh, that energizes your team, of course. If you're not shooting it, uh, it has no psychological effect on uh, how, how you play the other aspects of the game. So. Uh, and then free throws come into it, like you said, especially down the stretch uh, in the games. Uh, try to get to the line, try to uh, control tempo, and and uh, win the game down the stretch. And, and most of that is done uh, at the free throw line. So we've been fortunate enough lately to uh, to be able to knock those shots down. Um, talking to Coach Rushing here of Louisiana College team is uh, ten and eight overall, ten and four in conference action in the ASC. Of course, you guys play a lot of games, as that indicates in the ASC, but let's look at the out-of-conference real quick. Uh, three of, uh, all four of your games in non-conference play are, non, are, are non-Division three teams. You guys took on McNeese State, LSU, Alexandria, Louisiana, Monroe, and Northwestern State. Being in Louisiana certainly does not make it easy. Um, you're kind of isolated just a little bit from the Division three world. Do you guys just not have the opportunities you'd like to have against Division three opponents? Or is it one of those where you had opportunities that you had to take advantage of uh, in these non-Division three teams? Well, the uh, you know our league is is very large. It's, uh, you play twenty games in our league, and that doesn't leave you a whole lot of games to uh, play that are non-conference. And uh, uh, Centennials in our state, we didn't play them this year. We played them in the past, and they are Division three. But to uh, to uh, aid our budget, uh, we've. Uh, we try to play uh, two to four D1s uh, early on during the season, too. Uh, so uh, we played some, uh, we played ULF yet and Magnese at the beginning of the year as exhibitions. And then, as you said, we uh, uh, we played the UL Monroe and Northwestern State Division ones, and uh, they weren't exhibitions. And then LSUA is a new uh, NAI team here in Alexandria right across the river from us. Uh, and, uh, they're very strong. They have a lot of transfers, and we played them also. So uh, it's a very, very competitive, uh, very challenging uh, uh, schedule before we get into conference. Uh, I believe uh, we were looking at it, uh, Jordan and I, uh, uh, our SID, I think we played our first 14 games on the road this year because uh, 
you know, we're trying to get a new gym and uh, we couldn't get started on our new gym until the beginning of school because the, the funds were not available to that time. So, uh, you know, it was quite, it, I, it, I've never been through a season quite like this where you, you play uh, your first 14 on the road counting your, 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 your exhibition. So, uh, it's been very different. I don't. I don't imagine I'll ever go through any. Well, I know I won't ever go through anything like that again. And uh, we just had an opportunity to uh, to get some funding at the beginning of the year. And you know, people would say, "Well, why didn't y'all start on this uh, in in the summer when you had a little bit more time?" Well, the funding wasn't there uh, at that particular time, and so we had to make a decision to go with it or to hold it off for next year. And we went with it, uh, and we're glad we did because uh, you know our gym was. Our gym floor had been there 50 years, and our bleachers on the bottom had been there 50 years, and so we were able to uh, get a new floor and new bleachers on the bottom, which really is uh, a major plus for us. And, uh, you know, our girls' team and our guys' team and all the coaches were very excited about it. So it turned out very well for us, although it was uh, pretty hectic play, those those first 14 games on the road. Yeah, I was going to say, that was the biggest key here, is how many of those games you guys did play um and and having to get kind of deal with all of that and and not understand what a home game really felt like um we're taking a look at the at the new bleachers and new floor it's certainly a nice nicely designed floor if i do say so myself nice logo in the middle uh certainly looks good um but how do you kind of get a team ready for that hey guys guess what we're not going to see our home floor for quite a while and that, and that even includes practice well that's true we uh you know, I told the guys at the beginning of the year at practice, I said, guys, you know, we want to get on our home floor uh, with our new floor as soon as we possibly can, of course, but uh, there may be a possibility we play our first 12 to 14 games on the road. So, uh, you know, that, that they were mentally ready for it uh, because we cleared that up very quickly, and uh, and they handled it very well. Uh, just, uh, I mean, I can't, I can't say enough about them for uh, the ability and the way that they've handled it. When we, when we did, what we had to do was change out some games, you know, in our conference, such as Hardin-Simmons was supposed to come to us at the beginning of the year in conference play early on, and uh, we had to switch that out and go to them. East Texas Baptist was supposed to come to uh, to uh, to us. Uh, but, you know, we were able to play some of our home games at LSUA in Alexandria, which is an NAI school that we just talked about. They're just down the road for almost 10 or 15 miles. So when we did switch out, some of those games we got to play over there. But it's still like a road game. You still got to load up uh, all your equipment. You got to get everything over there, your monitor, and, and get set and uh, get your basketballs over there. The referees have got to change, and uh, you're traveling. Uh, it's just not quite as far. So uh, we're glad that part's over with, and uh, uh, we're glad we got through that. And again, I, I compliment our guys and our our staff, uh, everybody involved, getting that done from the SID, the athletic director, to everybody, because it's it's quite a bit to it to move around uh, all your stuff and get everything ready and set up for a for a game that's supposed to be at home if you're really traveling. Yeah, I should we should point out the fact that uh, uh, you did have technically some home games; it just wasn't on your home floor. Um, right. which certainly makes a big difference uh, in every way, shape, and form. Talking with uh, Gene Rushing, let's talk about your, your team a little bit more, Coach. Um, again, you know, you talk about the ASC especially. You guys are in this dogfight uh, for the conference. You guys have 
um, you know, quite a bit of, of upperclassmen leadership, but it's mainly in the form of juniors. Um, you really don't have any seniors on this squad. Um, that's certainly nice for the future, uh, just a little bit, but what's it like, uh, you know, when you got guys like Anthony Gaines at 20 points a game and, and Kevin, uh, Cotterham at six, 14 points a game, Kevin Lewis, 13 points a game, nine and a half from Steve Evans. And it's all underclassmen in the sense that you don't have those senior leaders. Well, these guys, uh, uh, Anthony James, Kevin Cottenham, and Kevin Lewis, uh, as juniors, have, have also played an awful lot of ball as freshmen and sophomores. So it's not like that uh, they hadn't been out there and hadn't experienced it. Um, but it is, uh, you know, th- th- these guys, we made the conference tournament last year and uh, trying to make it again this year, as you said, it is a dog fight. And we're in second, but. Uh, you know, we, we, we'd like to get back, and we'd like to make a, a nice run again this year. Um, but as you said, uh, second place, you can go from second place to uh, sixth place in just a matter of uh, a few short nights in the league. Uh, Harden-Simmons is winning the league. Uh, and then they are Baylor, Howard Payne, ETBU, uh, Louisiana College, and we're all sitting there tied for second. And uh, it's coming down to... Uh, you know, our last six, uh, we have three at home and three on the road. And uh, uh, these juniors all want to get back, and the sophomores. Uh, uh, we, we got a little, we got a little, little blend of it all from this standpoint. Of uh, even though we don't have seniors, like I said, we do have some experience with those seniors. And then we have uh, oh, five sophomores in behind them, and most of those guys have played played quite a bit. So. Out of the out of the thirteen players that we have uh, shooting out for our games and traveling, uh, eleven of them have uh, they have uh, college experience. So uh, it's not like you're just uh, so young that uh, they're still trying to figure it out. Um, we're just trying to get better every day, as everybody is, and try to concentrate on uh, what's important and uh, just uh, play fundamentally sound and try to finish this thing strong. Because who knows how it's going to go? Goodness alive! And uh, as I said, right now, Harden Simmons in the driver's seat, but uh, uh, after these six, there's no telling who will, who will end up holding the conference. Uh, the winner of the conference, conference championship tournament, and uh, there's a lot of ball to be played, and uh, it could go a lot of different ways. Well, you certainly, you've got uh, Harden Simmons to come. You also have got um, Texas-Dallas to come. Uh, obviously, those are important games in the in the sense of where everybody's positioned. Um, and obviously the next two pretty important coming up next weekend. And you never know what happens in the conference tournament, um, wherever it may be. We've seen some wackier things. Can this team get it done, or are you trying to maybe even position yourself for next year? Well, we're not, we're not really concentrating on next year. As I said, we're trying to take it uh, every day in practice, to try to get a little better fundamental and try to play a little bit better uh, as a team, chemistry-wise and uh you know, as I said, we made the tournament last year, but uh, last year was last year, and, and they, haven't, they haven't had a taste of it. We'd like to get back, but you know, Thursday we go to the uh, University of uh, Texas Dallas, and uh, when you look at their basketball program and what they've done over the last uh, several years, um, last year they made it to the quarterfinals and played up in Wisconsin in a 14-4 format, and uh, and got beat in the quarterfinals, and um, Year in and year out, UT Dallas, uh, Coach Butterfield and his staff do a great job. And 
and it'll be a major challenge to go in there and, and uh, get a win uh, Thursday at, in, in Dallas. And, and then we got to follow that up at some point in time with Harden Simmons. That game's got to be made up because that was one of the games that we had to change because of uh, our floor not being ready. So instead of them coming up, we went to them. Now we got to figure out a. Uh, it has not been set. Set the date has not been set yet uh, as to when uh, they would come back here. So uh, that's got to be settled relatively soon, either uh, early next week or uh, within the next uh, week, week and a half, because you got to have this. You know, you got to have you got to have it set who's going to make the terms to it on a certain date in a couple two or three weeks. So uh, we got to get that game worked in too. So. There's no smooth sailing ahead. It's just uh, it's just going to be a battle every night, as, as everybody in the United States knows, on whatever level. It's uh, basketball season is full through ahead now, and the uh, the heat's heating up. Well, it's certainly been fun to watch you guys in the ASC race this year. Look forward to seeing whenever you do play Harden Simmons, uh, and looking to see how you guys do in the conference tournament uh, as well. Thanks for joining me here on the show. Uh, as always, we give our guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, we, we thank y'all for uh, coming down and, um, and visiting with us or calling and visiting with us here in Louisiana. Uh, we thank you very much for DC, D3 Hoops doing that and thank Dave and thank the staff uh, for uh, allowing us to be part of your program today. And we wish you the very best. Well, thank you, Coach. Take care of yourselves and safe travels on those road trips. Thank you. All right, Gene Rushing joining us here on Hoopsville. Appreciate him taking the time to do so. Again, the team is 10-8 and overall, 10-4 and in conference play. The 10-4 and is the important part. They're sitting in second place in the conference, tied with East Texas Baptist and Mayor Harden-Baylor, who they've split the season with. Harden-Simmons leads away by two games at 12-2, and and again, they've got a game coming up with Harden-Simmons, so anything's possible here. Um, but it's going to be a it's going to be a race right down to the end to find out who's going to be number one and who's going to be in the tournament and then of course who's going to win the ASC tournament on top of all that. So congratulations, Louisiana College. As a result, going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to jump back up into the Northeast uh, and talk about what just the heck is going on in the Northeast and especially NESCAC in men's basketball action. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. More Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. 
By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Broadcasting out of the Hoopsville studios on this special Super Sunday edition of the show is obviously we're not going to try and compete against the big game. Um, and as always, we end up going on earlier in the day with the show. As a result, we hope you're enjoying it. If you missed any of this, we will have it available online, of course, on the podcast as well. Don't forget, we'll be on the air Sundays and Thursdays from now on, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. The last two shows, obviously the exception to that rule. Uh, with a marathon of 13 hours on Thursday and then today's show. Uh, but we'll be on the air 7 to 9 for the most part, e, uh, p.m. Eastern time the rest of the way. And, um, and with obviously some more extra programming coming around Selection Sunday and Matchup Monday here uh, on Hoopsville. Uh, let's, we're going to jump back up into the Northeast region, and it's certainly been a topic of conversation for many about how the NESCAC has got nobody in the top 25, and, and let's be honest, probably won't at this point in time for the rest of the season, just the way they're beating everybody out. Um, and this is on the men's side. Of course, the women have been dominating and having really good success with teams there, but that's not all that's going on in the Northeast. And uh, wanted to try something different on the marathon and didn't get around to scheduling it the way I wanted to. I wanted to hear from different voices from around Division Three. If you've heard Hoopsville in the past, we don't tend to have only coaches, though this season certainly we've had. We have regional reporters from each region kind of giving us an idea of what's going on. And we're going to try starting today to get back into that just a little bit. So you get a vantage point, not necessarily just from a coach's point of view, but also you get a vantage point from somebody who isn't going to give you coach speak or talk highly about his team necessarily or high about his conference just because he thinks, obviously, being immersed in the conference, that the conference is really darn good. So uh, starting today, and we'll try and get it on every show. We'll try and bring someone each from each region, kind of give us an idea of what's going on. And so first one out of the gate will be the Northeast and joining us um, – He's a writer for the Berkshire Eagle in Pittsfield, Mass., where I know it pretty darn well. Uh, Howard Herman joins us here. He certainly covers the NESCAC well as he's in the back door of Williams. That doesn't mean he doesn't go around the rest of the New England as well. Howard, welcome to Hoopsville, sir, and thanks for joining me. Uh, Dave, great great to be with you. I haven't seen you since last year down at um, last couple years down in Salem. Maybe we'll get another trip this year. Oh, absolutely. Um, you you got to do a few things, though, to get that to take place, sir. Um, and mainly it's because, <laughs> uh, not many, buddy, anybody, at least in the, uh, NESCAC is setting themselves up for uh, a trip to Salem. Um, and maybe not shockingly that way, Dave Hickson was on my show. Um, well, I pre-taped something with him at the beginning of January that, w that aired on the show. Um, and he basically said, listen, I wouldn't be surprised if three, four more losses is the top of the conference. Uh, I, I kind of took that with tongue-in-cheek, realizing, yeah, he's probably right, but I didn't realize how right that he was going to be. You know, it's interesting because I was looking at some things up here, and 
Yeah, there's nobody in the top 25, and certainly Trinity at 6-1 and one on top of the league is a little bit of a surprise. But when you look at NESCAC through the end of January, there is only one team in the league that is under 500 overall. One team, and that's uh, Connecticut College at 7-11. and 11. Tufts is 4-2 and two in the league, but 9-9 nine and nine overall. Everybody else is over 500, and we're not like talking 12 and 11 over 500. You know, Amherst is 14 and 5. Even Williams, as much as Williams has struggled, is 12 and 7. So, I, I remember I was at a, I was at Boston College early in the middle of November when Marist came up to play them to play BC because I wanted to go see former Williams coach Mike Maker for a column. And we were talking about the league, and he says it's it's you know playing in NESCAC is brutal, and the teams at the bottom. Think about this, Dave. Um, Bates is fourteen and four and four and two. Last year, Bates was eleven and thirteen. The year before was ten and five. That tells you where the that tells you I think where where the conference is. Yeah. Listen, I know everybody's above 500, but when Middlebury's talking about, their fans are talking about why they aren't getting any love in the top 25 a couple weeks ago, and then he just got blown out by Williams this week. When you've got Amherst struggling and you've got everybody else struggling, I get it I, um, that, that it's not necessarily a sign that the conference isn't good. And I'm not saying that. The conference is still good. I just find it interesting that maybe the top of the conference isn't as good as we're all used to. You're absolutely right about and that. Not as, and thus not as dominating. I would make an argument that maybe the New Max is a better conference this season. I mean, you know, it, might be, it might be better at the top. And certainly over the last five or six years, it's been Williams, Amherst, Middlebury. They have all taken steps back. For Middlebury is the team that is surprising has surprisingly taken a step back. I mean, Amherst lost its two top scorers and arguably the best player, you know, maybe the best D three player in the country last year in Aaron Toomey. Yeah. Williams lost its top three scorers from last year. Two of them to graduation and of course I'm as I sit here in my den, I'm watching Michigan State beat Michigan and Michigan is where um your um, D3 Hoops Freshman of the Year, Duncan Robinson, transferred to, and he will be back there next year. And I said this to Dave Hickson at the Williams Amherst game, the first one when they played in Williamstown, and and they and Williams won on the big three-point basket by Ryan Kilcullen. Yeah. The problem that Williams and Amherst had early on, and I think it took them a while, is trying to figure out who the guy was going to be. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, you know, when you looked at at Williams, Williams last year, the guy was Mike Mayer. Yeah. And Duncan Robinson was the second guy. And maybe Taylor Epley, who graduated, was the third guy. Yeah, maybe. And, and, and it, so, you know, it, looking at Williams's case, you come back, your top scorer was your number four scorer last year. And and Wall and Rook Lee, who are both really good players, and in my opinion, Wall should be the player of the year in NESCAC. He is the only guy in that league who can play all. You've seen him play. He is the only guy in that league who can play all five positions, and be good at it. Um, but it took them a while to try. It took them a while to get, you know, to find out, you know, that Wall was going to be the number one guy down the stretch. And Rook Lee would be the number two guy down the stretch, and sometimes they flip back and forth. 
And when you lose as much as those two teams did, you know, it takes a while to try to try to find your bearings. Middlebury is surprising because, yeah, Joey Keisel graduated, but you still have Sinickson back. You know, and, you know they're, they have two really good players back, and they have struggled. Well, what's interesting, too, is I would agree with you, certainly on Amherst's case, that they were looking for the guy, and I think Dave Hickson said that, too. Trying to find a point guard to replace Aaron Toomey was anything but an easy task. Uh, they knew that going in. They just didn't have the piece. Um, and they have certainly struggled as a result. I would also argue they have struggled inside. I don't think their presence inside has been as good as they had hoped it would be. Um, it's, and, but it all obviously starts at the point uh, in getting the ball to where it needs to be. As far as Williams, let's be honest, this team's a different team if Maker stays and, and Duncan Robinson is still uh, suiting up for the Eves. And, and Duncan Robinson is suiting up for the Eves if Mike Mayer is there because Duncan Robinson's not looking to leave Williams and other opportunities or other opportunities wouldn't probably have come calling necessarily if Mike Maker doesn't leave for D1. Um, and that's just the trickle of how that affects. Uh, yes, they lost some pieces off of a very good team who was not that you know, shot away from winning the national championship. How many times can Williams say they've been to the national championship game and a last-second shot by a Wisconsin school has ended their dreams of a championship? Um, twice, by the way, is the answer. That is um, true, yeah. And uh, by two different teams, but the same guy on both teams, by the way, Nick Bennett. Uh, playing in the game in the first time and coaching in the game the second time. But, you know, listen, they're, they're head and shoulders above this conference probably if Mayer comes back and Duncan Robinson has grown into a second year. Um, uh, there's, no, there's, there's no doubt about that. The other issue is, um, you know, if there's one thing you can say, you know, that may not be the most positive aspect of, of the Maker era at Williams, what is recruiting. Yeah, Yeah, there were great guys there, but the, I, I know first-year coach Kevin Epps said his goal this offseason is to bring in six or seven guys. Because if you, as, you, as I'm sure you recall, and many of your, of your listeners and or viewers may, know, may have recalled, the last three, four years, it's been a three-guy class coming into Williams. Yeah, true, true. And, and, that, and, and, I, and, I, and I don't know how much of that's by design. I suspect it's by design. Probably was. But you know, and well, and, and some people will go and get mass uh, recruits, and then maybe for a couple of years it's tough to encourage other people to come because they see ten guys in the class ahead of them. Whereas other coaches will go, listen, let's just keep the fires burning. The risk with only three or four guys coming in certainly is sometimes if if two or three of them don't pan out, then you're down to one guy from that class, and and you need other classes to step up. So there's a there's a there's a plus and a minus to both philosophies. I don't know if Maker had that philosophy. I never asked him that philosophy. But you're right. They consistently were just bringing in three or four guys on average. Um, now, it was working out for him, but as a result, they also have taken a hit this year because one of those three or four from one class is gone in Duncan Robinson. They lost four guys, give or take, from that senior class, and there was nobody else left, essentially. I mean, there's Absolutely. good guys left. It's just they had nothing else to back them up. No, and um, the the one thing that the one thing that Mike Maker did was leave his school a very nice gift. Uh, this year's group of freshmen um, are are all very good. Um, Chris Galvin, Adam Crute, Cole Teal, three guards. They all look about the same. They're all that you know. In fact, if you looked at them all and didn't see their number, you might not be able to tell them apart. Because they all they all have that similar build, but they're all like six three combo guards. 
And Teal has played a lot when Hayden Rookley, and I'll, this will be a broken record story again, <laughs> broke his hand, yeah, which he did last year yeah. too. But yep. he's back in the lineup. He is back in the lineup. And he started the season really well. He did. He did. Then he got hurt, and he's he is rounding his way back into shape. I was there Saturday afternoon when they when they actually you know when when they took care of Middlebury from the start, um, and it was something Dan Wall said to me afterwards. He said, I was so used to these games being struggles, and I can remember the last five or six years. I don't think yeah. I don't think any Williams Middlebury game was decided by fewer than five points by more than five points. Yeah, I know what you mean. Everything yeah. fewer than fewer than five points. But when you look ahead, you know. Obviously, you know. Obviously, Trinity has played really well. Mm-hmm. Wesleyan's um, played well. Trinity, uh, Trinity is an interesting club because Trinity plays much differently than a lot of Trin- Trinity plays bigger. They like to dump the ball inside. You know, they play Division One e basketball. You know, like you know with power mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. all that. Whereas schools like Williams and Amherst, you know, they like to shoot the three. They like the you know like the ball movement. Um, when you listen, you know, I've, I've seen Maris play three times now, and every time after a game, Mike Maker talks about aesthetically pleasing, you know, which is what they tried to be. Sure. But this, but the game they played, Williams played on Saturday was their best 40 minutes of the year at both ends of the floor. They held Sinekson to seven points. And I know defense, even on some of those final four teams that Maker had, was never the biggest, you know, they, they were never the greatest defensive team. Yeah. But that was a really good de- defense, defensive effort. New England has been incredibly interesting this year, um, with so many, you know, you're, so many different, you know, different teams, you know, coming 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 to the fore. And you know, it, it you feel like you know that Babson might be the best team in New England this year. I think they're I think they're undersung at least in the top twenty five. I've I've felt pretty highly about them for a long time. Uh, WPI course lost to Springfield. Just yesterday uh, in Springfield, I, I, I can't say I was surprised by that. When you get Charlie Brock versus uh, Chris Bartley together, that's always a fascinating game. But I think Babson, you know, yes, they've lost, you know, to WPI. But come on, this new Mac this year is a dogfight, and even the bottom of the conference is dangerous if you catch them at the right time or at the wrong time, depending on how you look at that. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think Baps and WPI are two of the top teams in this in this in this region right now. And the third team that we that, that we forget about that I tend to forget about because they play in Connecticut and we don't see them very much is Albertus Magnus. Yep. The team yep. that the team that came into Williamstown last year in the NCAA tournament, and it was the game of all of their tournament games that Mike Maker was the most afraid of. Well, because. that game was also, of course, was down in in uh, Mary Washington. And oh, down that's right. In, but I was, yeah. I was at. You're right. No, Coach Maker came in that going. I don't like this because because much like I remember the game they played Wesley a couple of years ago in the tournament. Um, and there are teams that just are you know polar opposites. And Williams has always had issues, at least under my at least when Mike was there, of teams that are just athletic and maybe you know play a little more freelance ball yeah and i think that's that was the issue that that was the concern they had with albertus magnus well that was the game that williams debuted and i wouldn't say debuted they'd had it but finally went to a defense 
um, and it worked. The zone. Uh, they went to that zone um, to slow Albertus Magnus down. Uh, Falcons could not figure it out to save their lives. It gave Williams more confidence. Granted, this is an extended zone because when you got Mayer inside, it changes everything. Well, you have, well, you have Mayer inside, and and you had you know, and you had two you had two six seven guys yeah. out on the outside yeah. of it. And yeah, they were that, meeting. You know, they were meeting the point. They were meeting shooters, not necessarily with the guys at the top of the zone. They were meeting them with the guys on the baseline of the zone. Mm-hmm. And he had and he had gone to that zone. He had gone to that defense during the year, and he he never liked doing it. But he had no. it, and he's using it. And he's he was using it at Mar. He's using it at Maris some too. Well, and he told me he went to it against Mary Washington only because he took Mayer out. And didn't think that they could play man to man with Mayer out of the game, so they went to zone with Mayer out of the game for a couple minute break, by design. It worked so well against Mary Washington. He put Mayer back in and didn't leave it. Mm-hmm. And then the, I thought the fascinating thing was going to be whether they were going to stay in it for Amherst. And remember, Amherst had dismantled Williams all three times yes. that they had played each other. And I remember jokingly saying at the championships dinner to the, uh, Dave Hicks, and I said, well, you've seen him three times. You've beaten him three times. You've certainly seen him a lot more than that over the years. Uh, I assume the last week uh, you've changed your offense. And Dave said, you're right. I've changed it all, completely threw it out. And Mike's reaction was priceless. He turned and goes, good, because I haven't been able to stop anything else. And then they turned around, used that exact same defense on Amherst, and destroyed him. And maybe the best, maybe the best 40 minutes I have ever seen a oh. Williams team play. They absolutely over, uh, and, and destroyed cover, And I've been covering this team going back to Harry Sheehy's first trip to Salem back in the mid '90s when, um, when back when they played the uh, cons- when they played a consolation game. Yeah. Well, and, and which I missed, by the way. And, and by the way, yeah, <laughs> you everybody missed it if you think of if you think of it that way. Well, um, yeah, because I've you know Harry said this at the at the time he said there are only two teams in Division Three who can end their season with a win. Yep. Like that, and they and he didn't mind playing the consolation. You know, yeah. you know it's it's better to fin it's better to be the third place team than you know than hey, be an afterthought after the semifinal. I liked it until a couple teams decided to start laying over in that game, and then I started losing faith in it. And the the All Star game has been worth it. But quickly back to it, the you know what's really interesting about um, about Aaron Toomey didn't score until about five minutes left in the game. That's how well that defense was playing and how much Aaron was off his game. But back to that Albertus Magnus point, Albertus Magnus is a dangerous team. Um, we, you just don't listen. They may be better than last year and I'm maybe not giving them that credit because I'm not in the top 25 poll, got them higher than 12. And I've stated publicly, I'm not moving them higher than 12. Cause I think that's their ceiling. Um, this is a year they've got to take advantage of, though, and they're going to have to do it out of their gym. I know what they've probably been told, that the NCAA says go ahead and put you know, a bid in. I think they're putting a bid in in case they get you know a Thursday or they get a buy and they got the, the Saturday game. They're not hosting a weekend there. They're going to have to be road warriors here, um, and, and that could mean heading south or west and going through some interesting territory to do it. Boy, and you know, and, and when you say it like that, that could also be the case for a Nescat for for a couple of Nescat teams that might make the tournament. Let's you let us use Williams just as an example. Sure. Um, if they if they get an at-large bid, they're not hosting. They're not. They're not. They're they. You know, if there's a first-round game to be played, depending on how the tournament's set up, they might be at home. 
But otherwise, they're going to be road warriors, mm-hmm. and they've been as and they've been pretty much better on the road this year than they've been at home. But of course, part well, of that especially was those, they with... lost those two, those first two home games when they were just completely trying to figure things out against. I think, you know, I think I think the only auto loss was really bad at the beginning of the year for them. But I don't think that loss to Southern Vermont was nearly as bad as people as people thought at the time. No, I think Vermont it was just not bad. I think it was, and I think they're going to be. I think you know they have a good young coach, and they're going to be better. It was those two games to start. I, I think yeah. Southern Vermont maybe not shocking because Dan Engelstad has a good squad there for sure. Uh, and I think next year is a te- watch out for Southern Vermont. I think next year, um, but I, I think it was the fact that coupled with the next one. Uh, I think is what did in Williams with a lot of people's mind. I, I wasn't even voting for him in the first place, um, but yeah, yeah. The idea, the idea that you can, the idea that they could lose their top three players and their coach and still be fifth in the preseason was ridiculous. It was absolute, and I and I said it, I said it accordingly. I don't even think I had him in my top twenty-five ballot. So think of it and that I, way. And, and I tw- a top twenty-five wouldn't have wouldn't have been a, wouldn't have been a surprise. Actually, I may play. have had him twentieth. I think I had him twentieth. And that's you know, and if you wanted to put them anywhere from fifteen to twenty-five, I wouldn't have had a problem. No, because they still did have that talent coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm putting them twenty, think about that for a second. I'm giving them five points, and they had enough points to be in fifth. That means people had them in second. You know, that, well, I remember. <laughs> wow. You know, I I remember one year. Um, I you know. I was sitting in I was sitting in Mike's office, Mike Maker's office. We were talking about that, and he goes, "They've got us here, and we lost all these guys." You know, because I think a lot of I think some voters, you know, just remember what happened last year, and I, still I, think, you know. But yeah, I but but I read, I think I read on on the on on the D three hoops site, uh, the the quote that Dave Hickson was quoted as saying, "I don't I, I don't think I'd want to play us in February." Yes, I think that was something like that. And I think and I do think that's the same thing that the same feeling Kevin App has at Williamstown. But because he's the one thing he is concerned about, it was the lost in the loss to Hamilton. And Hamilton has always been a good team. Mm-hmm. You know, people people are dogging that loss. I see, you know, on the message boards. I can remember when Hamilton used to be an Elite Eight, when Tom Murphy was coaching there, yes. they were an Elite Eight regular. That was the difference, though. Tom Murphy, I mean, since Tom Murphy's left, Hamilton hasn't been all that. No, but they, but they're, but they are better now than they have been. They, well, you know, but, but what Kevin said after that game and the press release from Williams, and we talked about it a little because it almost happened again. They had had, against, against Middlebury, they had a big lead, and it was cut to 10 with about five minutes gone in the second half. He called a timeout to talk to him. That's kind of what happened. They didn't have as big a lead against Hamilton, but he said sometimes this team gets, you know, starts to feel, starts to press when it has, you know, when it sees a lead start to drop, and he's hoping that maybe they've gotten over that hump. Um, by the way, I should point out that um, Middlebury and Hamilton are in a dogfight right now. Middlebury leads by four with uh, less than five to play. Um, and that, yeah, that that you know. That's a, that's a place I would like to go to see. I'd like to go to a game up in Middlebury, just because just because I would like to go see there, and I'd like to go to a hockey game there. There you go. By the way, for those of you just, uh, changing sports, just for a quick second, did you know some of some of the people here online today may not know that uh, Patriots defensive coordinator Matt Patricia 
was an assistant football coach in Amherst. Yep. He was a defensive line coach back around the turn of right around 2000. Well, people might not realize that the kicker for Seattle, Hauschka, is a Middlebury grad. Yeah, so I saw, and and did not play, did not go there to play football. No, and then interesting enough, did a post grad year. I think was it at Virginia Tech, uh, North Carolina State. Thank that's you. Where he, that's where he got discovered. And that's where he got discovered. The Ravens had him for a couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got a little inconsistent. I liked him, but he got inconsistent. And Seattle picked him up, and he's doing well certainly out there mm-hmm. uh, for yeah. their squad. Yeah, but looking at I was, I was just looking at the schedule for next for the next couple of weeks. There's an interesting non league game coming up Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amherst has to travel to Rhode Island College. Man, that's and a weird Burns spot. Has done a pretty nice job, you know. Yeah, succeeding Bob Walsh, who's up at the University of Maine now. Had a couple of a uh, game slide there with Eastern Connecticut, and then um, Anna Maria tripped him up. Um, but yeah, no, they're they I, they're they've been on that radar for me. In the really, they're playing that well. Do I really take them seriously? Approach because there's been top twenty-five voters who've been putting them in their ballot. Uh, and again, it's kind of like that Williams scenario. They lost a lot. Walsh left, and I thought Walsh was the biggest key uh, for that squad in the way he coached. Um, honestly, as a as a person who's from Maine, I'm a little surprised he took the Maine job. But I guess a D1 job is a D1 job. Um, that's what some people said. That's what some people were saying up in Williamstown. He took he yeah, took the Marist job. He took the Marist. It's exact. Yeah, I know exactly. But he could have had the main job, maybe. <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek. Yeah, no, um, I, yeah I, and 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 everybody down there in in the Poughkeepsie area thinks that they will win. Oh no, I think. Listen, they had nothing there this year. The cupboard was bare. He came in there. I think he knew that. Give him, bare, give him three. Yeah, get him I, three, four I, years, and it may be a whole other can of worms down there in Maryland. I was, I, I had, to, I was down there when I, I went down to Poughkeepsie to cover the St. Joe Maris game for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And I was talking to Mike before the game, and he said, and it was at a point where he was playing walk-ons at guard because he mm-hmm. lost his entire. He he went through three guards, who he lost due to injury in the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, and I think they've now won two or two out of their last three and won two in a row. So I think they're starting to figure it out a little bit. Hey. Um, kind of curious. Um, you know, listen, I've seen Huston in person, and their recent loss does not impress me. Um, they should be rolling through their conference without even blinking. But they seem to be the dark horse in this Northeast region because they're going to play a style of game that the rest of the Northeast certainly does not play. Um, they're going to play, well, except for maybe Albertus Magnus. Albertus Magnus just happens to have the size that Huston lacks. Um, I think I might take Husson's guards over Albertus Magnus, and I don't mean that. I'm not saying Albertus Magnus doesn't have some good guys. I think Husson might be a little deeper in that position. Um, could could they, in your opinion, be that dark horse? Are they going to be the? I mean, granted, this is this road's going to go through BAPS and WPI, et cetera. And by the way, the New Max got to do a ton to prove that they're good because remember last year they got all these teams in the NCAA tournament and went over on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You know, Husson's my a, a dark horse. I, I think you got to watch out for. Um, and, and then you know you you got Eastern Connecticut who's lurking there. It's a as you point out, it's interesting. But what are your takes on some of those dark horses? I you know, well certainly the teams and certainly you know Babson, MIT, and WPI are probably you know it, as a conference goes are are, you know, are three really good teams that are probably all going to get in the unless something unless something goes bluey. Um, Hudson's got to be. Hudson's got to keep their eye out um, because Colby Sawyer is pretty good. 
uh, you know, ten and two in the league and twelve and five yeah. overall. And the team that I that I like, I've always liked in that league because um, because I've known I have known Paul Copel for as long as I have lived in New England is Castleton State, and I think he's a really good coach. And they play so differently than everybody else, and it's the type of team you don't want to have to win a game against. And that's what I always look at at this time of the year. Who don't you, even if they're not great, what team don't you want to see? You know, and, and it's like, you know, I, I, you know, it's like Amherst probably doesn't want to see Rhode Island College, even though that won't do anything NESCAC, in NESCAC for them. You know, it could hurt them, you know, when it comes to that pool C bit. But some of these, you know, some of these conference teams, you know, you don't want to, there's some teams you don't want to see. It's like you know, even like like in Mascac, you know, Westfield seven and zero and Bridgewater six and one. I'm sure nobody wants to have to play a game against Salem when it comes right down to it. Yeah, probably true. Um, and, and at this point of the year, that's what I think. That's what I look for. Look for more than who's better than worse. It's all at this point. It becomes about matchups. Yeah. And it, it's like as I look at you know as I look ahead to you know to the next two weeks in Nescac. Um. Well, you know, Williams and Hamilton are travel partners now, for this year, <laughs> right. and and they do the and they do the Bates Tufts weekend coming up, mm. and that's on paper Williams should win both of those games. Yeah, but you got to travel. But these, but yeah, and especially especially that Friday night game up at up at Bates. Yeah, because that's a that's a haul that's a haul and a half. Bates pretty much finishes the entire season at home. At worst case, they're driving about an hour from campus. Yeah. Um, we had John Forbush on the show Thursday. You know, that, that Bates Bobcat squad could jump right up into first place in the NESCAC if no one's watching because they are at home the rest of the way. And again, I mean at home in the sense that, again, an hour about is, you know, they've got their, their uh, grouping there with Colby and Tufts to play. But, you know, we're talking an hour from home at the most. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and it's funny because, you know, because that's a, that's a matchup of, you know, Bates and Tufts are both 4 and 2 in the league right now. Yep. It's and huge. of course, Trinity. You know, Trinity got the win at Williams. I uh, got the win at, and 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 beat Amherst, and has played really and has played really well. What I you know, what's it? You know, Hamilton's the the the, the odd one. They're one and four in the league, but they're thirteen and six overall. And 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 to jump back to the NAC, no one wants to go to Bangor, Maine, no, and have to play Husson uh, in a tournament. I mean, I have made. I, I, well, you're from Maine, so you know that trip. I back. I used to broadcast UMass bat, UMass football games mm. before I got in the newspaper business, and I can remember busing to Bangor once oh, from Am- from Amherst. And one other time, we actually I've rented done that. Uh, they rented a small plane and we flew in. But well, at least you're not... flying into a really big airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice long runways, but no, I mean that is a haul, and you're talking. You're talking two and a half hours, give or take, from the main border, depending on weather, depending on. And two and a half hours doesn't sound like much, but there's nothing to see during those two and a half hours. Besides, once you get outside Portland, mm-hmm. uh, if you're Castleton State, you're talking six hours just to get there. Yeah. As, as you know, in New England, there's no straight lines. No, no, um, no there's no straight. My, my favorite, my the worst bus ride I ever took, doing it. I Williams let me hitch a bus ride with them to St. Lawrence. It was um, Harry Shee's second Final Four trip. Okay. And for that, you go through Fort Drum. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it was right after, it was, it was a march with, where there was a really huge ice storm. 
Oh, I and think driving, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Well, not on the ride, but driving through that part of upstate New York, mm-hmm. it was like being on Mars. Yeah. Because yeah. of, you know, the way it looked. And it was so and it was so incredibly desolate. And St. Lawrence and Canton, New York is one of the most beautiful little college towns in America. Yes, but it is it's not like easy took, to get to. No, it's like they took North it's like they took Amherst, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And put it on the far side of the moon. And put it right on the Canadian border. No, put it on the far side of the moon. Yeah. Like there's nothing else around there. No, there isn't. There's absolutely nothing else there. And I don't. And I will never understand. Although I can imagine why hockey players go there. Because oh, absolutely. It's like it's probably like Canada, but you know, <clears throat> I don't understand how basketball players go there. But no. um, you know, it's going. You know, it's going to come down. You know, and and I wouldn't be surprised when you you know when the committee gets together. Mm-hmm. How that this is going to be at least in the Northeast, the most difficult year they've ever had to pick teams. Because I mm-hmm. would not be surprised. Like, you know, right now as I looked at it, you know, Williams is seventh in the NESCAC. Mm-hmm. They could easily win the title. And they and, yeah well I mean, and, as, and, right. and assume and let's us let us just assume that the that that the tournament meeting is tonight. So if a seven seed wins. You know that that be, that knocks somebody else off the bubble. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. No, and that's what's going to be crazy about things. I mean, even in the Newmac, Newmac proved that last year. That's how they got so many teams in. Was how that season concluded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a reason WPI, Babson, Springfield, um, all got into the tournament. Um, uh, w, uh, MIT being the other one. You know, MIT's a sleeper. Uh, they're playing pretty good basketball. Um, they were. Uh, they started out well. They got a. They, they ran into injuries. a little little speed bump, and now they seem to have righted the ship. Yeah. I have a question for you because you are much more of an expert on this than I. <laughs> why doesn't the, Why will the Division Three people not go to sixty four teams? Um, it's a financial thing. Um, here's. I think the women are at sixty four. Well, okay. So here's the deal. It's based on an access ratio of one to six point five, and D three men are below the sixty four max on that on that ratio because um, remember there's far more women's teams than there are men's teams thanks to schools like wellesley and mount holyoke and and whatnot so mm-hmm. um by that ratio men should be at 63 this year but because of the financial challenges that are being faced in division three right now one of those little known rules and almost guidelines i should call it better that nobody talks about or realizes is that when they expand the tournament what they'd rather do is not expand it by odd numbers they'd rather expand it by even numbers and so they are they are in a position where financially they're in a tough spot and they needed to figure some things out and they're in a spot where they're going to expand by just one that they felt it made better sense to hold off on the expansion until a they got their ducks in a row financially and B, they got closer to an even addition to sixty-four. Oh, so, it has to be an even. It has to be an even number of teams because that you know, I don't. I never liked when, when team. I don't like when teams have you know get don't have to play the first round. Yeah, and 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 I think that's where they're at. I don't think they want to go where they just one team has a buy. Um, I think they want to expand this fully to sixty-four and have that happen when it happens. They just happen to have the ability to make the excuse based on finances and that's not an excuse in a bad way that's a legitimate you know two point some odd million dollar shortfall in the championships 
Uh, they've had to make some changes, and if you can keep from having to pay for two more teams right now, that's what they're going to do. And it's and it's been approved. I mean, no one's arguing against it um, just for one more team. Um, men will get to 64 soon enough. I think there's 12 teams in the very short term that are going to jump into um, uh, D3. I'd have to double-check those numbers. We'll jump into it being a, not into D3, I should say, uh, allowed to play in the NCAA tournament. Um, because remember, you're provisional right now. You can't play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a, I think there's like 12 teams in the very near future who are going to become eligible for NCAA tournament participation. And that will, I mean, if you do the math, six, one team for every six and a half, you need 13. Well, if you're already at the point where you could add 60, uh, 63rd team and you've got anywhere from five to 10 more, maybe 12 more teams that could jump in immediately, we're going to be at 64 in another year or two. So it's coming. It's just it's taking a seat right now, a slower steep uh, than they wanted to. But once we hit 64, we'll lock into that. So it won't matter what our ratio is at that point in time. It will stay at 64. That's the max per NCAA uh, rules for all sports but football. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're – and that by this year – and listen, we talked about it going to Amherst in the past, and it's always gone to some New England team because they've been good – it's it's probably not going to a New England team this year unless it has to go to a New England team this year. The buys will definitely be used geographically this year because we're we're looking at some major geographics, uh, especially in Texas uh, and out west. Um, or it's going to go to a team like a St. Thomas or a Whitewater or somebody who just earned it, uh, for lack of a better description. I don't think we see a buy in New England this year. I would I, I would probably agree with that. I think you know I think New England is really tough this year but certainly not you know it's not top, it's not top heavy it's more no. middle heavy yeah yeah and there's been enough really losses teams, but no great teams yeah and enough losses by WPI Babson uh Albertus Magnus listen Albertus Magnus could get the buy let's be honest and let's say they keep going their SOS has improved over the over last year it's not better unfortunately their schedule took a hit because Purchase was supposed to be a much better team than they are this year. Uh, when you lose seven players, including your all-everything guy in the, in the preseason, uh, it, it happens. Um, and that was on Albertus's Magnus schedule. There was somebody else on there. New Jersey City on paper was supposed to be better. They've just been a dud. Um, they had some teams in there that should have been better. So if they can get past their SOS and only have that one loss being the second game of their season on their resume when it comes time to bracketing, I could see them getting a buy so that they get a home game on Saturday. It's the only way they're going to get a home game on Saturday with a 600 attendance, maybe 800 attendance max for mm-hmm. that gym. That could be where the buy ends up as just a tip of the hat to Albertus Magnus. Um, otherwise, I, I mean, I don't see WPI. I don't see Babson um, only because they've taken some losses and because in New England you're going to have the chance to move teams in and out of that area and, and ha- set up a 14 pot. I think you're going to use the, use the buy elsewhere like they did last year with Emory. And those are the t- and that and it always surprises me that in all in, in the last several years that somebody out of Emory's league hasn't gotten to Salem. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, WashU has been the only team, um, mm-hmm. and they obviously won back-to-back championships. But since then, it's been a struggle. I, I think it's because if you look at who comes out of the UAA and where they eventually have to play, 
or who they eventually have to play, they don't tend to get the easy stretch. It's not like Brandeis has been good enough to come out of New England. Uh, NYU has certainly not been good enough to come out of their neck of the woods, though this year might be an exception to that, but they got to quit losing to teams like Rochester. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got Chicago and Wash U, and they're going to they're gonna face off with a CCIW, uh, a, a WIAC, uh, a St. Thomas, or, or a Great Lakes team somewhere along the way that's going to prove problematic, and mm-hmm. it's, it's unavoidable. Yeah. Well, here's what I always think about when I look at the UAA, and I and there was a kid from our area who several years ago played down at um, at Emory, so I, I used to do stories on him. You know, we talk about things. If you're if you're a kid, and as we all know, the UAA schools are by and large really good academically. It's about as close to Division One basketball as you get because you're flying everywhere. Yeah, in the sense of what the experience is like. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so which is which is where I was going with that. You know, why year in and year out those schools don't get the best players because you know. Yeah. I you mean, know, if you know, if you're a co- if you're a coach at you know at Brandeis, you know, say, yeah, you can go to Amherst, but you get to ride a bus all the time. You yeah. come to Brandeis, academically, we're about the same yeah. or similar. And you get treated like a Division One athlete. Or NYU. Hey, you get to go to school in New York City. Now, granted, they're about to lose their building for five years. Uh, they're not going to have a home floor. But still, you're, you're playing in New York City. And, again, you get to travel to Chicago, St. Louis, Atlanta, Boston. Okay, Rochester and Pittsburgh aren't, aren't exactly selling points, but hey, that's I'm just Pittsburgh. two. I'm a Pittsburgh guy. You've got, you've got to be careful about that. Oh, I know. And <laughs> I'm going to tell it again. You're not much of a selling point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, compared to Chicago, St. Yeah. Louis, Atlanta, oh, and, uh, New York, Rochester, and Boston. Um, I'm a Time Warner com- cable customer oh, out here. I'm sorry. I'm and sorry, Howard. They, and, and their sports channel does a lot of Syracuse stuff. And one of, and, and their Syracuse post-game studio show, the analyst is former Rochester coach Mike Neer. I did not realize that. Yeah. Well, he retired again yeah, from his second coaching job. Yeah. And... He and former Syracuse player Roosevelt Bowie sit cool. in the studio with an anchor, and they analyze Syracuse basketball games. Well, he, he can analyze the big guys like the best of them. Oh, yeah, that's good and, for Mike. And and I and I and, and I know one time Maker said to me, he said, "Oh, I don't want to. I don't know if I want to coach forever. I'd like like to do TV." Yeah. <laughs> and I think he'd be good at. I that. think he'd be good at it, but he's gonna. But, yeah, he's got to. He's he, got some he's work first. Win a few games down there, and he will. Hey, by the way, uh, scoring update, Middlebury and Hamilton are in overtime, and Middlebury leads by two. Oh. Yeah. That's a nice – for them to win that game coming off of what happened Friday would be a nice bounce back. Yeah. Because, you know, they were they, they were soundly they were destroyed. And, yeah. Although with, with the two – with the strangest stat I have ever seen, um, Middlebury out-rebounded Williams by, two, by, by three – and Williams had two offensive rebounds in the game. Wow. Of course, they also shot 55%, well, so they were making a lot of shots. But you would think that on one of the misses, a, a couple more balls would just bounce into somebody's <laughs> hands by accident. <laughs> well, At halftime, they had one offensive rebound. That, that ranks up there with the uh, stat from the WashU-NYU men's game uh, a week and a half ago, um, where WashU got absolutely trounced by 20 by NYU, yet WashU won the offensive boards. Yeah, it's it, <laughs> what? It, yeah, exactly. It goes back to um, a, a, an old fr- an old friend of mine who's a who who's a baseball scout. Used to be a minor league manager. Once said to me after a game, "There's three. You know, he, quote, he liked to, he always liked to quote use the one Mark Twain coach quote. 
there are lies, damn lies, and statistics. Yep, there you go. And that, and you know, you look at the box score and you say, how do you how do you win by twenty five and get and, and get only two offensive rebounds? Yep. No, I agree with you. I mean, it'd be one thing if it was like a close, fluky kind of game, but you know, when you dominate, you know, and that's the thing on you know, in this system that Kevin App and Mike Maker run, which is similar. Offensive rebounding is not a priority. No. And you hear that, and I hear from people up, you know, in ways they they don't rebound on the offensive glass. But when you play that, you know, when you have four guys around the perimeter, it's kind of hard to do a lot of offensive rebounding. It's true. No, I mean you got to get guys to crash the boards, and then you're and then you're susceptible to the outlet pass and a and a quick fast break the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but you know, you but um, you were talking we were talking about Amherst before. You know, I think you know when you lose. <clears throat> You know, you lose Kalima and yeah. and Killian yeah. in the front court too. Yeah. That's you know, and that's and what I'm I saying. They're think, not getting that inside presence. I thought they would have. I don't think you know. You know, I don't think you know. I think I think David George as a, as a post player, he's good. Is would 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 be far better playing at Williams in their system than in Amherst's system. Well, I think he'd be better if there was a guy he could be he could be the four, and there'd be another guy playing the five. I don't that think too. he's a five. That 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 too, but he's more, but but you know, you know, Amherst likes sometimes likes to have its big guy crash the boards hard. Well, the other thing too is they like to have one guy inside and, and the rest of them outside. And and David George, nothing against him, I think he's got a great talent. He's not a guy who can succeed there. You need a bigger guy. You need um, guys have had in the past. Nothing nothing against him. I just I I have seen him struggle inside a lot this year. Um, and and I think that's hurt them because teams don't have to necessarily double down on the inside. They can they can let their defenders work uh, on George themselves and leave the leave the guards guarding the guards. Which um, is why which is why that, that last year's Williams team was so effective. Yeah. Because when you had the best big man in the country. Yeah. Yep. Um, oh, know, absolutely. He, he took he took an awful he took an awful lot of attention. And as good as Robinson was, as good as Epley was, as good as Wool is, you know, it's a lot easier. Oh, well, it, it's a lot easier to operate. You know, night and day. Yeah, and which I think is, which I think when I, the Daniel Wool averaging twenty points a game. Yeah. This year, is incredibly impressive, because you know, he's the, he's the he's the and I said before, you know, he can, I've seen him play point guard, at six seven. He has played all five positions on the court for Williams. That's why I I, I like to call him the Swiss Army knife. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you stick him in the Magic Johnson. Yeah, he he you know he, he's not the he would not be the best five in the country, but he could play the five. He certainly could play the four. Uh, he's a natural three, and he can play both guard positions. Sure. Um, the guy there that um, the guy. One more Williams point before we you know move on to that. The guy who's been really effective for them lately is a, is sophomore Dan Aronowitz. Hmm. Um, he you know that was a pretty that was a pretty good freshman class. Aronowitz, Mike Greenman, um, Duncan Robinson. I don't you know that you know even though it was only three guys, that's probably about as good as you can get in SCAC agree. for a freshman class. Yeah. And Aronowitz has become. The third option. Interesting. He's very he's very athletic. He's six four. He told me I haven't written the story yet because we have a couple of snow days coming here. 
<laughs> so the high, so the local high schools will get will, will be postponed probably for the next day or two. So they'll we'll have to you know we have to put some local copy in it along with all the you know, <laughs> along with all the you know aren't yeah. the Patriots the greatest team ever you know yeah because they aren't post stuff. Um, so <laughs> but we were talking he said he really got you know he 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 developed a real confidence when Hayden Rookley went out with his injury. Of course. And he and he got the and he got more touches and more, and was being counted on for more, you know, for more than just being out there. Sure. And you know they're not the this isn't the biggest team, but I think I think starting five when everybody's healthy, I still think this is the best starting five in the conference. Well, they're going to have to with, dig themselves out of seventh place at this point in time and, and, they, they, and make a run. Well, they, they they have to dig themselves out of seventh. It was funny. When I went last Friday night to the game, I was sitting before the game talking to Ryan Kilcullen, and we were discussing how whether his parents were able to dig out yeah. from, the, from the blizzard because <laughs> he's a Boston-area guy. And I said, did you, not, did you guys know that if the seasons ended last night, you weren't in the playoffs? And he looked at me, you know, with a look of puzzlement, because they were ninth yeah. Friday night, but every but they were but it was like they were half game out of fifth, right? And that's how and that's how bunched up that league is because Williams is seventh right now, but, but you know but if they go to but if they if they go on the road and win this weekend, they could get a home game in the first round because that's hmm. how close everybody but Trinity is to each other. Well, it's certainly going to be fascinating to watch. It's been a different New England uh, region, for, to be sure, northeast region, to be sure, uh, this year. We haven't even touched on women. We'll do that some other time. Uh, and, and, and i got to tell you, it's, you know, as much fun as it is when Williams and Amherst dominate, this has been more fun <laughs> because you, you almost don't know from night to night who's going to win. Sure. Oh, no, I can imagine that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, in three, four years ago, you know, you could just you could just pencil in, you know, Williams and Amherst were going to win every game in NESCAC except the ones they played each other, and then you didn't know. Sure. But now, on any you know, on any you know, on any given night, I think anybody other than Khan can beat anybody else. Fascinating. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. That's for sure. Yeah, um, we got two more weeks of regulars. Yeah. And you know, and if you you know, if you're thinking ahead, the good thing for Williams is. If they get through this weekend okay, then they get Con and Wesleyan at home to end the regular season. Yeah, and you would think that on paper, if they come out of that good, that should be two more wins. Should be the on problem paper. with the NESCAC is it's yeah it, anything's but it's been anything but on paper. It 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 absolutely has. But I will say I will say one one other thing as I close. If I was taking a three on three game with with coaching staffs, yeah, I would take Williams' staff. Because Kevin App could play guard, <laughs> and both of both of his assistants are six nine. Not too shabby. So you know you just want to dump the ball, dump the dump the ball in. Yeah, no, I'd take that too. That's a yeah, good point. Yeah, Brian Emerson, who played who played at Williams, is on his staff, and Mick Hedgespeth, who played at Division One Belmont, and is still not used to snow. How are you? Uh... They grew up in Nashville. He's not used to snow. I guess not. It's kind of funny, though, isn't it? It is. I, 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 you know, although we're supposed to get we're supposed to get another seven, eight inches here this week uh, on Monday. Well, the storm is 
getting weird down here. So mm-hmm. it may yeah, be and, it may be sliding south on us. We'll see. And the only thing I only thing I care about is if my city can plow my streets, and and the plow guy comes and does my driveway so I can get in and out. There you go. I can hand I can handle all of this. Hey, sir, if you ever feel like it, go down to my alma mater at Salisbury for uh, some high school hoops. Oh, Salisbury, Connecticut? There you go. Oh, yeah, right, right. Just, just on the other side just, of the border. Just the other side. Nice quick little dri- jaunt for you. Drive, drive, th- drive through that part of the world all the time when I head to New York. Certainly is pretty, that is for sure. Uh, well, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. We certainly went well into overtime. But it was nice nice to have the conversation. Well, any, any, any time is my pleasure. Well, I appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Uh, uh, don't don't hurt your back with the shoveling. I will not, Dave. Thanks for the time. All right. Take care, sir. Bye-bye. Howard Herman joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. We went in well into overtime, obviously, but appreciate him taking the time to join us and chat with us about the season. We're going to get going here and get off the air. <laughs> Feels like I could go 12 hours, but I'm not going to. We're going to sign off and get going. Don't forget, Sunday or Thursday we'll be back on the air, um, 7 to 9. P.M. Eastern Time. I want to thank our guests from Baruch Men's Basketball, Monmouth Men's Basketball, Castleton State Women's Basketball, and Louisiana College Men's Basketball, and of course Howard Human, Howard Human, Howard Herman uh, from the Berkshire Eagle joining us here on the show. Appreciate them all taking the time to join us on this Super Sunday show. I uh, hope you enjoyed it as well. If you missed it, don't forget it's on the archive. We'll be available video-wise very shortly, and of course we'll be available in audio uh later in the day as well. Don't forget we'll be on the airs Thursday and then we'll be talking uh East Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West primarily, though we'll probably slide in some South teams as well as it's hard sometimes to talk to South teams on Sundays. Uh, We'll see what we can do. We'll also debut, or not debut, we'll get back to our School of the Week segments as well. If you've got any other questions for us, you can always join us on Twitter and ask them there, or you can just suggest guest ideas maybe at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email them, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com. Slash Hoopsville. Don't forget to go to d3hoops.com for more information on everything going on, including our all-regional and all-national articles. Certainly plenty of good stuff to read up about there on d3hoops.com. You can also keep track of the schedules as well around the country, especially any of those cancellations and postponements due to weather, which are pretty common this time of year. Thanks again to all our guests. Appreciate you all tuning in and joining us here on the Super Sunday Show. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Um, and uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of, of Broadcasters. Thanks for tuning in. We'll hope to see you back here coming up on Thursday night. Good afternoon, everybody.